0: Renee, welcome, welcome back to the talk show.
1: Thanks, always a pleasure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how's your summer going?
1: Good, good. I mean, yeah, yeah. summer is supposed to be where things are slower, but it's been super hectic.
0: Work wise, you're saying?
1: Work wise, family wise, you know, it's the, it, this business when people come over to visit, and you know, you still have to work, so it's right.
0: it's always odd. Right, I totally know what you're talking. about. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, how's the weather up there?
1: Uh, it's muggy. So Canada, I don't know if Guy English ever explained this to people, but in, it goes from like minus 40, which I guess is like minus 30 Fahrenheit, to plus 40, which is like 100 degrees over the course of a couple of weeks. And it's 100% humidity because Montreal is an island. So it's just we just don't get
0: nice weather. I don't think you do. Uh, I it. I don't. I've I've only been to Montreal during Singleton and one time yeah. long 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 before that, but I don't remember when it was. But I could tell that even uh, even in the winter, you can kind of tell it's it's high humidity. The equinoxes are nice. That's about it. Yeah. Um. Uh, pretty hot here in Philadelphia as well. Um. Uh, I don't even know where to start. There's a lot going on. Don't you think? Uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's it's a sillier season than usual.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you see the article? I don't. Even, I didn't even want to link to it. Did you see the stupid fucking article in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend? Uh, I know Trip Merkel or whatever the hell his name is byline was on it, and somebody else yeah. about how si- Samsung is like the the true design company that's built built its company for decades around design first. <laughs>
1: It felt like a sponsored post from Samsung Mobile that was rebranded with an Apple headline so people would click on it.
0: It was a really, really strange I know strange it wasn't, article. but it was,
1: just, it was just, it was just, it was like a profile piece about Samsung, but shoehorned into an Apple's losing it clickbait title. And it was, it didn't fit anything.
0: Right. And, and I, I it's, it's like, it wasn't worth, I, I decided not to even link to it to shoot it down. Cause it was, it's just anybody who would go for it. It's just so, you know, it's like, is the Galaxy S8 a good looking phone? Yes. Is it ahead of Apple on the side-to-side bezels and you know very small chin forehead? Yes, um, and you know it's no no argument about that, and that sort of leads into what we're actually talking about that's substantive. About you know what might be coming up with the iPhone and stuff, but that's yeah.
1: true to an extent. But you look like you look at their his, even their recent history. The pen and the Galaxy S6, I guess, because they skipped the seven, got, got stuck if you put it in backwards, which is not good design. The Galaxy Note eight uh, or seven, sorry, famously blew up, which is really, yeah. really, really bad design. They've had screens come off. They've had. Uh, people were making fun of one of their phones because you could stick cards in it because the gap was, it became so big in the side of the screen. These are all, you know, design issues.
0: It's right. just not how a phone looks. And even with the S8, there are uh, tons of complaints about the Bixby button and, you know, it, it, that it's, people are... Um, there's a dedicated button to bring up their version of a voice driven AI thing called Bixby. Dedicated button on the hardware, um, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is a questionable design. Questionable. Maybe it's good. I don't. I don't think so. But you know, I, but it's absolutely the fact that it seems to get triggered accidentally a lot when you're trying to hit other buttons is probably a design issue. Um, the fingerprint sensor of this thing is on the back because they couldn't put it on the front, um, which is definitely. Uh, in my opinion, I have a Google Pixel and it has a great fingerprint sensor that seems to work about as fast as an iPhone's. Uh, yeah. Having it on the back is worse than having it on the front. There's no question in my mind. Is it horrible? No, I mean, but it's worse. That's but design. Samsung's
1: is even worse because they put it next to the camera lens, so half the time you swipe right. the camera lens, and then they have to have software to tell you your camera lens is all grossed up and you need right. to clean
0: it. Right, and uh, yeah, and I think it's actually while trying to to and it's not even centered. It's like off center, which is yes. bad design. And and famously, you uh, I have a year's worth of documentation of when you look at the side at the, like the bottom where all the ports are and the screws and stuff. Uh, Noticing how nothing on a on a Samsung phone is actually center aligned with each other, which is design, and which would bother me greatly. And yes, that it was like the fact that the speaker grills aren't aligned with the USB slot on a Samsung phone is that the sort of thing that uh, of the tens of millions of people who buy one that most of them aren't going to notice. Yes, but boy, I sure notice it.
1: And it's something Apple builds for; like they specifically build everything from the board on up so that those things do align.
0: Yeah, you know, just a question of
1: of taking the time to do it. It's not. I don't. I, I'm sure it's more difficult, but it's something that they could easily do.
0: Uh, anyway, it's of course it doesn't get into any of that stuff.
1: No, it was it was again it was marketed as news, which was a bad decision. If it was, uh, Neil Seibert had a really good in his. It, People don't subscribe to his newsletter. He does a really good job of analyzing the Apple market. He used to be a financial analyst, and I think he was a sell-side analyst, but he does a really good job of delving into Apple's decisions from sort of the business point of view. And he was saying like, just how odd recent Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal pieces have been because they have been fo- they've been marketing opinion as news. And he thinks it's what you've been talking about, which is it's getting harder and harder for them to score rumors. So absent yeah. rumors, they'll do anything they can to get the same sort of clicks out of people.
0: Yeah, I actually uh, am a subscriber to Above Avalon. That's Neil Seibart's newsletter, and uh, I read that today. And it actually the fact that he eviscerated it. So it's a shame, you know. And I don't blame you know. And it's it's a good business model, and Ben Thompson does it, and others. Um, You know, to have these subscriber only newsletters with a once a week free post that's everywhere, and it's frustrating for me because if Neil's newsletter today had been public, I definitely would have linked to it rather than I don't want to write it up myself, but. yeah, and his main point, and it's a good one, and you kind, it's kind of inside baseball for journalism. Um, but like Daring Fireball is very easily categorized. It, the entire thing is sort of my opinion column, and everybody mm-hmm. knows that I'm writing from my perspective, and I'd make clear by how I phrase my sentences what I'm stating as a fact that I know or that is just simply what happens when you click this button as a fact and what's my opinion. Um and so i can mix them interchangeably and you know what you're getting if you're a regular reader um in a in a newspaper especially a traditional one like the wall street journal or the new york times there's a separation between the opinion sections yeah. uh, and the news sections and so somebody like say Walt Mossberg you know wrote uh, they may not call, it's not like he wrote on the op-ed page but his personal technology column you know like where joanna stern is now is yeah. A, a, a subjective column where it's mm-hmm. here's this columnist's view on what, you know, whether this technology is good or bad or whatever. This, this, the piece the, about Apple and Samsung design ran in the news section, which, and again, you can have profiles that run there, but it, it's really hard to justify a lot of most big chunks of that article based on, uh, of it as a news article because it really, yes. really wasn't the news of it. It is. And, and the way that the cheat, is the quotes that he that they I guess it was two people, Trip whatever his name is, yeah. and uh, whatever. But it, the, the quotes that they picked from quote unquote analysts and quote former Apple executives and 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 stuff like that. That's the cheat that a news article can use to kind of come across as an opinion column. So the bylined article writers aren't giving their opinion, but they're quoting these people who are saying these things that are clearly opinion.
1: And getting quotes from Samsung Mobile about the state of Apple design right. is not something that a
0: legitimate news article would do. Right, uh, and it's it's uh, the part about Neil Sybard's article that really made me like, yes, this is exactly what I suspected. But he did the work and went to do it. Here, let me actually just bring it up because I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. but there was a quote from somebody who who's who is attributed as a. Uh, Uh, said Hugh Dubberly, a former Apple creative director and former member of Samsung's global design advisory board. The pipeline that Steve jobs started is over. This is a guy who's saying it's not so. (laughs) here's his full quote. This is a quote from the guy. It's not so much that Samsung has gotten better, but Apple has fundamentally changed. Said Hugh Dubberly, a former Apple creative director and former member of Samsung's design advisory board. The pipeline that Steve jobs started is over that, um, the gist of it that, that that pretty much summarizes the gist of the article, which is positing that Samsung has, from its like outset has been a design first company yeah. um, and that Apple is the shell of its former self it's it's the which it, it it's a stream of opinion that's actually been thankfully fading away recently, which is the Apple is doomed without Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Right, and but it's you know, here is a guy going back to it. Now it's an interesting pedigree because I'm personally not aware of very many people. Uh, in fact, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who's worked at Apple and Samsung in in any. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of any former Apple people who've yeah. also worked at Samsung. So that's certainly interesting. Um, <laughs> but
1: no, but I mean, there was a guy who worked at Apple in UI and then went to work at BlackBerry in UI, and it's very similar sort of things. Is that they want to claim the crown, and that's yeah. sort of what this does. And they're, they're also from periods, like I forget when this guy was there, but it was, it was way before any of the modern things that Apple has done before iPhone, before all of these things. Well, here's the and here's, it's
0: like, here's where Seibart does the work. The authors quote Hugh Dubberly, a former Apple creative director. And this, these are Seibart's words. Whenever I see former Apple executive, I raise an eyebrow or two. There seems to be a high correlation between former Apple executive some kind of negative view as to how Apple is currently operating. Weird, huh? Um, Upon closer examination, Dubberley worked at Apple during the late 1980s and early 1990s. That means he joined Apple after Steve left to start next, and he was long gone before Steve returned to Apple in uh, 1996.
1: (laughs) Which is sort of what you'd expect the editor of the Wall Street Journal to do.
0: Right. It's... (laughs) It's, that's really, it's downright misleading in my opinion. And it's, it's, it's exactly the sort of thing that I expect better from, from the wall street journal where technically speaking, it is, it it is technically accurate to describe him as a quote, former Apple executive, right? That's not incorrect. But as a casual reader of the wall street journal, it leaves you with an incredibly false perception the perception I would draw from that if i weren 't skeptical because of my you know my familiarity with the company and the lack of uh, um, interchange between employees, especially at an executive level between Apple and Samsung if i you know you and i can be very skeptical of that probably most people who are listening to this podcast are at least halfway skeptical but think about you know the, the wall street journal is super mass market yeah. it's one of the most read websites and newspapers in america and if not the world somebody who's just sort of casually familiar with this would i would think would naturally assume that this guy is relevantly was relevantly employed at both companies right <laughs> i mean absolutely <laughs> i don't think most people from the wall street journal or reading the Wall Street Journal, could name a single product Apple made between the late 80s and early 90s. (laughs) I don't think they could name a single product. I don't even know if they could name just uh, the Mac, just quote-unquote the Mac. Maybe.
1: And this... uh but Neil I called it a hit piece, and that's you know it, it reels like that. And I remember previously, the, these things sort of go in phases. There was a whole bunch of anti-Apple Pay articles, and I don't believe it was a Wall Street Journal, but it was a similar paper of record, did a story about how terrible, how people, they, they didn't think that Apple Pay would get any adoption. And the person they quoted was, was said, like, you know, mobile payment expert, blah, blah, blah. And, and anyone who was in the industry knew that that was the guy who started the company that Samsung bought to make Samsung pay. And it wasn't identified at all in the article. So if yeah. someone casually reading it would think that an expert had said that this will have never get any traction.
0: Well, it's just inaccurate. They're just looking for hits and I yeah. think I think the basic just I've written about this and and Cybart touched upon it. The fact that they they know they want to write about Apple and they want to write about this upcoming phone and they know because it's it, it gets clicks, it gets headlines, and people are and people are interested in it and it is a super successful product. You know, it, it, financially it makes sense that they would have articles about it. And the truth is most people everybody the collectively we seem to know almost nothing about what's what's coming up with the new iPhones. Like here's where this article that I didn't really want to write about, but which is exactly what I like having a podcast to talk about leads into something that really is worth talking about. Absolutely. I'm going to take a break here and thank our first sponsor. uh, Before we get into talking about new iPhones and our first sponsor, I'm very excited about. uh, It's our good friends at Casper. Casper makes an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Go to casper.com slash the talk show and use code the talk show and you will save 50 bucks towards any mattress. Put a little asterisk right there. I'll get back to that. Now Casper created one perfect mattress. This is one of my very favorite things about the company. Uh, And they sell it directly to consumers. So when you go to Casper, you don't have to pick like medium uh, firm or uh, extra firm, or do you want coil springs, or do you want memory foam, or do you want. Well, how do you know? Especially if you're ordering online, you don't know. Uh, Now, they have mattress engineers, actual engineers who all they do is design mattresses, and they develop one in house type of mattress. It has a sleek design cause it's, it's a foam type thing. It's it, it vacuum packed when it gets delivered to you and it comes in a remarkably small box. Um, I don't know if they still do this, but at one point they were delivering like in Manhattan, if you ordered in New York, they actually delivered them by bicycle courier. That's how small, I mean, it's a pretty big box for, for a guy riding a bicycle, but it's actually small enough that a guy could, uh, somebody could put an entire mattress the way they compress it into a box onto their back and deliver it to you on a bicycle. It's really, really neat. It's actually fun to open up and use. Um, we've got them here. We use them in the Gruber household. We've just been away on vacation, and, uh, and, and you know, it, the hotel beds, you know, we stay in nice places, and they have nice beds. My son, number one complaint by the end of the vacation was that he wanted to go home and get back on his Casper mattress. Just is totally true. Absolutely true. He wanted to leave Disney World and go back home to, to his regular mattress. Um, I, I don't know how much more of a... Um, I don't know how much more of a a compliment I can pay than that. A 13 year old wanted to, was ready to go from Disney world to get home to his Casper mattress. Really, really great stuff. Um, and and they're just great prices. I know what you're saying. I know if you've ever heard me do a Casper pitch before, here's the whole thing. How do you, it seems weird to buy a mattress. seems weird without ever, ever like trying it, like just even just putting your hand on it, squishing it. Uh, Number one, you don't want to go to a mattress store. Go into a mattress store of all the type of brick and mortar stores that are suck. Mattress stores are way up near the top. Number two, they rip you off. Uh, but here's the solution. Casper has a hundred night risk free guarantee. So you buy it, try it. However skeptical, maybe you're highly skeptical, buy it, try it. You get a hundred nights. And if you don't like it, you just, you just give them a ring, get on a website, tell them, I don't like it. And they will come pick it up and give you all your money back. And Casper mattresses were designed, developed, and they are assembled right here in the USA. Um, So anyway, you get 50 bucks towards any mattress. Go to casper.com slash the talk show. Use that code, the talk show. You'll get the money off. The only hitch on that, the asterisk I was telling you about before, is that they also have dog mattresses. Uh, I've been selling these things, uh, pitching these things on this sponsor of, ever since they came out. And, and I have so many reader emails saying, my God, my dog loves this mattress. My dog won't get up in the morning, loves the mattress. You don't save 50 bucks on a dog mattress because the dog mattresses are, are cheaper. So you, they don't have a discount for it. But uh, the affection from your, your pooch will, will more than more than make up for the fact that you don't get the discount on that. So there you go. My thanks to Casper. Uh, great company, great mattress. I, I really, I really love this product. So that leads us to what we do know about new iPhones. Number one, I think yes. we do. I think it's a fact. And you and I follow this stuff pretty closely. I really do think that while we know some stuff about what seems to be, we we have some hunches about what's coming up with new iPhones. I think we know less than we have in just about any year in the past.
1: I think that's true. I mean, we all. It's it's almost certain. There's no reality in which Apple just pieces out, stops making iPhones, and switches to making hot tubs. You know, it's <laughs> fairly certain there will be a new iPhone. But it, it, there's just so much up in the air now, especially with. I, I don't want to say the iPhone 5C was similar, but that was that was the last time where there was, for me at least, a curveball where there was a consideration that they were going to make instead of just bringing over the previous year's flagship and dropping it a hundred bucks. That they were going to make something that was less expensive, that might uh, better address mainstream markets or emerging markets. And we sort of didn't know what that was going to be. Some people thought it was going to be a cheap iPhone. Some people thought it was going to yeah. be something else. And it ended up being the 5C. And this is similar, but at the opposite end of the spectrum, where the rumors suggest heavily that they're going to be looking at the higher markets this right. time.
0: So there's the, the rumors we do know are the ones that have been pretty consistent for a while now. I mean, number one, a, a long time ago, and I, I hate to... I really do... I'm laughing here, but I hate to brag. But I really do, feel, I really do think I was the first person... Uh, to mention this was about two years ago, uh, maybe longer. I don't know. But I heard from a, a reputable, reputable little birdie that Apple was working on a, a years in advance, years a couple years out from then, and and an iPhone with an edge-to-edge display that got yeah. rid of the bezels on the sides and most of them on the top and bottom, and that it dropped dead gorgeous. And I didn't write about it because I don't like I don't like writing about stuff like that anymore. But I talked about it on this show. And it got picked up, I think, by Mac Rumors. Um, uh, so that's it, it, the, the idea that there's an iPhone coming with its smaller bezels, you don't even need to ha- know anybody or have any sources to see, you know, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's, iPhones, you know, Apple products tend to get thinner, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think I wrote I wrote about the losing the home button, I think, in January right. of tw- 2015. So this, at least, that should put aside the rumors that this is a last-minute thing that they're struggling towards. Right.
0: Uh, uh, I think here, it, it was this? 2017 iPhone may feature edge-to-edge display. Yeah. So this was, it wasn't two years ago, it was me, it was... Uh, back in May 2016, when I talked about this on the talk show, here I will put this link in the show notes. Uh, actually, I think what I heard about two years prior was the dual camera system. That's right. I get my I get my little birdie stuff. Well, you know, up.
1: you and I had a discussion. I forget when it was, but it was roughly two years ago about the practicality of removing the home button because right. people were just so used to it as an escape mechanism.
0: Right. Uh, and I think you, you know, I think our conclusion was that you just need some other way to have the escape mechanism. Yep. It doesn't have to be an actual button. There just needs to be some sort of affordance for that.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's the same as like, the Touch ID, Face ID thing. Is that Touch ID is an is a instance of doing something, and there are other ways of doing the same thing. Right.
0: Uh, you know, a, a great example would be mute switches, right? And mm-hmm. the iPhone still has one. It's We could go off on a huge tangent on this, because I've, I've thought about <laughs> it a lot. Uh, Apple, in general... Is a company that is generally, I think everybody would agree whether you like them or dislike them or are ambivalent towards them. They tend to edge towards minimalism on buttons. I mean, they've, you know, famously, I, infamously, the, the smart keyboard gets rid of things like the escape key. The, yeah. you know, buttons ten, tend to go away. Apple tends to be conservative on this. Um, and yet they're the only company that I know of that makes a phone, smartphone that has a dedicated mute switch. So I think Apple obviously thinks the mute switch is an important thing. It's been there on every iPhone ever since. But the, the iPads started with them, and now a couple years ago, I think probably more iPads have shipped without mute switches than had them in the first place.
1: But there was you and I talked about this at WDC, where the next, like the rumors for the next, maybe the next or next iPhone is no buttons and no ports, and people thought that was ridiculous. But now the 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 Pixel two is rumored not to have any buttons, and there's rumors of you know phones with no ports. So the future keeps going.
0: Right. Uh, No headphone port. That's sort of like getting you know getting rid of anything hardware. You know, just get reducing the thing ultimately to things that can fail on the device. Right. Right. Things that can fail. Things that have moving parts. Uh, yeah. moving parts tend to go away and move moving parts tend to have problems. Um, yeah. you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the missing mute switch on the iPad. Personally, I fi- I like it. Uh, and I like the way that you don't have to turn the thing on or unlock it or do anything on the screen to just shut the thing up mm-hmm. if it's making noise. Um, but I understand that that can be less of a, ooh, you know, like the whole fact that you could have your phone in your pocket and maybe you are the idiot at the movie who forgot to silence your phone. Uh, And if it starts making a noise, the fact that you can get that thing silenced so much quicker with that switch than you ever could, no matter what genius invented a software interface for it on the screen, uh, is a big deal. Plus the fact that like in that scenario in a movie theater, the fact that you don't have to have the screen light up is an even bigger deal. If you're Mm -hmm. a a good human being who does, does take their phone out during movies. Um, uh,
1: so and that any, was a huge controversy too. Like I don't know if you remember, but some people want the mute switch to mute everything and some people mm-hmm. want it only to mute some things and not alarms, for example. And that was hugely controversial at the I time. I actually still I don't even is.
0: remember how it works. Like if I have my phone on mute, my my morning alarm clock still makes a sound, right? I think so.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. And some phones didn't do that and then it right. was a controversy like who was doing that right.
0: Right. Well, and then you run into that with phones where instead of having a dedicated mute switch, if you just the idea is you just hold volume down until it yeah. gets to zero, well that's that's definitely different to me than a mute switch. But anyway, I digress. Uh yes. <laughs> the idea of an edge the idea of an edge to edge phone has been floating around for a while. Um and out of, it seems like, and, and I've mentioned this all the time, but it seems like a huge source of leaks for Apple historically has, especially for the iPhone, has been the Asian mm-hmm. supply chain. There was an interesting thing earlier this summer where where um, it was the outline got a leaked copy of an internal Apple presentation about how they... A presentation to employees about how they deal with leaks and their policies towards leaks where internally Apple claims that they've actually gotten to the point where fewer of the leaks are from the supply chain than from within Apple, which is interesting that Apple would say that, but doesn't really jibe with what I see personally in terms of what gets published. Um, I'm not disputing that that's what Apple thinks internally. I mean, it's, you know, that they know what they, they know think anything they want. <laughs> right well and they know th- they might know things yeah. that i don't know um i mean one thing that they know that's interesting that's always interesting to me is they know which ones are bullshit and which ones yeah. aren't yeah right and, yeah. and so and some of them are like there's there's enough stuff collect i have enough claim chowder bookmarks that not everything that's been published c- can possibly be true there's contradictory mm-hmm. reports out there um and and the ones that are contradictory often co- cover themselves. The ones that know that they're contra- you know, that they're they're on shaky ground. I, my favorite trick is is to say that Apple is still 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 yes. deciding.
1: Yes, that, that's uh, okay. Like a year or so right. out, it gets less and less believable when it becomes right. closer to August and September.
0: Right. But one thing that seems very leaky to me, and still is this year, is the the display providers, the display mm-hmm. suppliers for Apple. Uh, And I know they're sharp, and uh, I guess Samsung is the contracted company for OLEDs. Uh, And some of the stuff—it's like not even like rumors. I mean, some of the stuff like like uh, it's like in—they may not say it's Apple, but there's like filing regulatory filings where these companies have said we have a—you know—we're providing 10 million of these displays for a a major company. For a later. Yeah, and
1: some of them even say Apple. And I wonder right. if they get a real good phone call after that, like at their earnings statements or at their press conferences in China, they'll say Apple's buying blah, blah, blah. And you just wonder how fast that phone
0: rings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I I I do I do wonder. <laughs> uh, um, but it's and and Ming Chi Kuo, uh, the, you know, who I think is the top rumor. Yeah. Person for Apple, it, it wears the crown right now, uh, has been on this for a while and has been very consistent that Apple has three new phones coming out this year. Uh, a 4.7 inch with an LED display, which would be the same size display and technology and display of the iPhone 7 and also the 6S and the 6. A 5.5 5 inch LED display, which is the same technology and the same exact diagonal size as the. 7 plus and also the 6s mm-hmm. plus and the 6 plus. And, and here's the weird one here's, the, or at least the new one, a 5.8 inch diagonal display that is a different aspect ratio, skinnier and taller. Therefore, you know, like a, a wider aspect or whatever, whichever way you want to hold the phone. If you hold it, you know, in portrait, a skinnier, taller f- display. Yeah. Uh, that's an OLED from Samsung that can curve and therefore go edge to edge and get does, has greatly reduced the the need for side bezels on the phone. Uh, he's been very consistent on that, and it's it's I, I, you know would I bet on it? I mean, is it possible that he's wrong? Of course, I think I, I never would bet the house on any of these rumors, but yeah. seems pretty seems pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I think the crux of what you and I were talking about years ago was that uh, how do you solve the problem of people who want – like we were talking about the iPhone, uh, I guess it was a 6 Plus back then, and just it's just too big a phone for some people. And so they go with the 6, or back then they would stick with a 5S or something. And you you can say make a better 5S, but what Apple was thinking is why can't we make something that's the size of a 6 but has a display of a 6S? Right. And that's sort of a different way to solve that problem. And that's this this is the phone that tries to solve that problem.
0: Apparently, you know, let's assume yeah. that it's right. Um, yeah. I, I, I've mentioned this to you before we started recording the show. I don't think that there's a ton of smoke on the, these, the, the, the two, let's call them the regular new iPhones, the 4.7 yeah. and 5.5-inch 5. 5 LEDs. The, the most obvious thing Apple could do would be to make an iPhone 7S and 7S Plus because every single time they've come out with a phone with a number – Starting with the Mm -hmm. 3G, then the 4, then the 5, then the 6. The following year, they've come out with a phone with the exact same name, with an S tacked to the end, and with a more or less roughly same form factor, usually case-compatible. You know, or and if not case compatible, so close to case compatible that you might you you can effectively use you can use a iPhone six case on a six S, you can use a six S yes. case on a six, and that everything lines up, the buttons line up. You know, it, there's, uh, and there have been changes. You know, I think it was the five S that introduced Touch ID. Which is more, you know, you could tell just by looking at it. There you can just eyeball it. You don't have to turn it on. You don't have to run like a a benchmark or something to tell that it was new. But the touch ID sensor was where the old home button was, so it didn't really interfere with any kind of case design Mm -hmm. or something like that.
1: And this the 4S had the better antenna, the with the the extra piece of plastic in it. Yeah.
0: Right. It had the uh It's actually it's like one of my favorite eras of iPhone design because there was the weird (laughs) there was the weird Verizon iPhone in between, which had the futuristic uh, antenna design.
1: Yeah, I think it had the dual antenna that could switch intelligently depending if your hand was blocking too much of it to get a signal.
0: Right, and the black those black lines that separated the pieces of the side frame. uh, The Verizon iPhone four had the black lines that separated the components that matched with the. Next year's four S, yes. You know, so there was a weird. that sort of. It was sort of like the iPhone four and a half, really. <laughs> yeah, it really exactly. was. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I had to get the I had to get the CDMA sorry the CDMA antenna in there, and that was the best way to
0: do it. Right, the Verizon iPhone four is is one of my all time probably like my maybe my second or third favorite iPhone of all time. Yeah, because I I, I liked the, had the better antenna, and it, the other little thing that it had that the, no iPhone had until recently was it didn't have those. Um, regulatory body logos inscribed on the back because they didn't need to sell it worldwide. They were only going to sell it in the US, and so they didn't have to put all those stupid logos on the back. Yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, So anyway, the most obvious thing Apple could be planning for this year would be to do an iPhone 7S, assuming that there is – New four point seven inch and five point five inch phones, yeah. and they're not just going to keep selling the seven and the seven plus, and introduce one new phone, the iPhone eight or whatever you want to call it. That's what Apple has done for years: is they've made one new phone per year, or at least that's that's the narrative. I think that with the plus phones, that that's that they've already started. It's it's like a slow breaking, like a yeah. It's like that—that that big landmass breaking off Antarctica. It takes a while, but you can sort of see the cracks coming for a while, and then all of a sudden, we go from
1: Pangea to a bunch of continents.
0: Yeah, and all of a <laughs> all of a sudden, it's wow—that's it's a different strategy.
1: So if they did that, though, if they went with seven S and seven S plus, you know, it's usually like they introduce a new color and then they do one special feature. So it could be right. uh, we'll have an A11 chip and it'll have inductive charging or something, and that would be the
0: positioning for it, right? But the general rules, and again, Apple can do whatever it wants. These are just names, right? I mean, Apple could uh, make the thing a a perfect square like an old Polaroid, you know, and still call it the iPhone 7S. Make it
1: triangle-shaped and call it the Galactica phone.
0: No, and they could still call it the iPhone 7S, right? You know, that they could make it totally different, you know, make it a circle, make it a triangle, and still call it the iPhone 7S. And, you know, we'd have to worry about the, you (laughs) know… mental health of Phil Schiller, but <laughs> they could do it, right? Yeah, uh, they just go and enter a name in the machine and it
1: gets printed on boxes. It's right. easy for them.
0: Uh, I I have no idea. I have no, I, 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 you know, I heard things for a while. I haven't heard anything in, in a long time about anything related to new iPhones. So I have no hmm. inside sources, no secret birdies on any of this stuff. All I know is what I read on the rumor reports. And I would also know what I what makes what makes sense uh i kind of hope that that's not what they're doing i kind of hope that the assuming it's true this is all based on the assumption that ming chi quo knows exactly yeah. what he's talking about and that there is a new a new phone some kind of new hardware 4.7 inch 5.5 5 inch um i hope that those are the iphone 8 and 8 plus and maybe they or maybe they get new names too Maybe they don't, maybe they just drop numbers completely, but that they, you know, but that they have physical changes that make them, if not radically different, significantly different. Like for example, like if all three phones have dual camera designs, like that would totally render, that would totally render iPhone seven cases inadequate for this new phone, even though it's a same, same size display, because there wouldn't be room for the second camera lens.
1: And that fits sort of the what they ended up doing for the iPad is that they went to iPad mini, iPad, and then iPad Pro for a while. And you right. had the, the existing designs uh, two sizes, almost identical, because the Air 2 and the Mini 4, I think, were identical except for size. And then the Pro got introduced on top of that. And yep. I could see something where they have those two iPhones. It's, it's the iPhone, iPhone Plus, and then iPhone Pro, if that's what you really want.
0: Right. I could totally see them going with that. And we can talk about naming separately. But I could, yeah. just as a, an example, I could totally see the names iPhone, iPhone Plus, and iPhone Pro as the three names of the product. And that next year they just have the new iPhone, new iPhone Plus, new iPhone Pro until, you know, whatever. Um, But that would, that would, I just don't, I don't feel like anybody knows. I, I really, I really don't.
1: And we get so much, there's so much angst about all of this. Like one of, one of my favorite lines from you has always been, everyone drinks the same Coke, whether you're the janitor mm-hmm. or the president, you drink the same Coke. And this year, even though Apple has not announced anything, the mere speculation that there'll be an iPhone that is in some ways subjectively, objectively better than previous iPhones has created an incredible uh, a sense of offense among some people mm-hmm. in the community. Like how, how could Apple make an iPhone that's you know, more expensive, that's more premium, that I, if I buy an iPhone, it's not the best iPhone?
0: Yeah, and Which they didn't it,
1: get with the uh, iPad Pro. Uh,
0: wait, wait, say that again. They
1: didn't get that sentiment with the when they introduced iPad Pro. There didn't seem to be a huge sentiment in the community about how dare uh, they make a better iPad.
0: Yeah, I don't think people are as emotional about iPads as they are iPhones, yeah. and and the iPad has sort of uh, long ago bifurcated into. It's not quite obvious what the best iPhone iPad was like, I think that there was a case when they first came out with the iPad mini that the iPad mini, I I liked it. I thought it was the best iPad, even though it was like a year behind on the, it was like, let's take last you know, for a couple of years, what they were doing was let's take last year's 9.7 inch iPad, put that system in a chip and components into the smaller case and sell it at a lower price. Didn't even Um, have a retina display when it debuted. Right. And I, I thought, you know, it it really was. It's just the case that I've mentioned this before, but it's just me hitting my forties and my eyesight uh, mm-hmm. deteriorating. You know, the fact that the iPad Mini screen was just pixel for pixel exactly the bigger iPad screen, so everything was just shrunk. You know, pixel for pixel exactly the same. Like your software didn't have to. Developers hadn't didn't have to do a damn thing to support the iPad Mini, even if your layout was completely based on the assumption of the pixels of the screen being exactly the same. It literally was because it was just the same number of pixels and they were just two thirds smaller roughly. Um, I liked it better at least when my eyesight was smaller and my son who you know, still is very young and still has, he much prefers the mini iPad size. Uh, so I think that the iPad line sort of split where it, it wasn't quite clear what was best. Whereas the, the basic gist of the iPhone, has been for years, uh, you know, one new model per year at the high end, you know, like even with the 5C, which you mentioned before, which was clearly mm-hmm. an, a strategic exception, sort of a, a dipping their toes in an experiment that I don't think it was the failure that people call it, but it clearly wasn't as big a hit as they had perhaps hoped.
1: And I like that they do that. Like so one of the things that scares me is that when we get this that we get two sentiments. We get that Apple is boring and that Apple changes too much. And they, they're both they're, they're sort of two truths. And people believe both of them at the same time. And I think it's just human nature. But it, if Apple doesn't take risks, then Apple is losing a sense of innovation. They're nothing since Steve Jobs. They're boring. You know, everyone else is running circles around them. But when they do, when they try something like iPhone 5C or if they do this iPhone X iPhone 8 thing, then how can Apple do this? You know, they're betraying us as customers. Mm. Why are they it's, it's a huge risk. How can they, you know, it's, it's, they can't win either way. And I don't no. think the goal is for them to win, but I think as a company to be Apple, they have to keep trying these risky things.
0: Um, yeah, I, I agree too. And I, I've, you know, from talking to people at Apple, uh, you know, in product briefings and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very, I mean, again, you never know what's bullshit and what's not, but I, I, I really do believe it that they, you know, they don't have any kind of magic science behind the scenes that predicts demand. They don't, there is mm-hmm. no, I think there's a lot of people who, who assume that Apple is so effective and so smart and that they've, you know, that there's some kind of spreadsheet on Tim Cook's, you know, I was going to say MacBook, but let's just say Tim Cook's iPad Pro even, uh, <laughs> that, that he can, you know, uh, uh, you know, hit a button and it tells, it tells them exactly how many of each phone to make and, and which design is going to sell and what quantities in which country. And none yeah. of that's true. And that they, you know, one of the most surprising things from Apple's perspective every year is how things change from country to country. And like, mm-hmm how the 5C sold in the United States versus in Germany and stuff like that. And there's like, who would have known that something, I, I don't even know if that's true, maybe it's the other way around, but that, you know, that, that in Germany, the 5C was surprisingly popular and they had no no idea of that. And they had to, re, you know, it's redirect all these shipments that were originally meant for the US from there and instead go the other way on the, go over to Germany because that's where people are buying them. They don't know. and And you Steve see it. Jobs see, was a...
1: I was going to say Steve Jobs was a really good taste predictor too, but he didn't. Not everything he did was a huge success. just the things that were were so successful they obliterated almost any memory of the things that didn't do as well.
0: Right, and even so, I mean, you know, uh, people often uh, people often look back at the Mac G4 Cube, and the thing that they the first thing that comes to mind is that it was susceptible to cracks. And if, but that could have been fixed. Like if it had sold in well, in good enough quantities that they could have just fixed whatever it was that was causing the plastic to crack. The problem with the Mac cube was that in the market, people didn't see enough value to pay a premium for a small box. That was beautiful on your desk. People instead would pay less for a a less elegant iMac, you know, a big, you know, which at the time was a big CRT, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. or, pay the same amount and get a Mac Pro that had way more performance than the Mac Cube. Nobody wanted to pay the premium just for the small box. And,
1: and they went, I mean, there was the the iPod um, Fatty Nano, and there was the iPod Shuffle with no buttons on it, you know, that they all walked, they both walked back very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, they, you know, they, yeah, the Fat Nano, Fat Nano. Fat Nano was one of the cur- most curious ones. I, I Someday yeah. I would love to get the story on that, because I have to say, right from when I first saw it, I was like, well, I don't like that anywhere near as much as last year's. Yep. <laughs> and there were no features on it that were compelling either. It wasn't like, well, I don't like the way it looks, but it has blank that the other one didn't have. It just it was the exact same thing, but in a... <laughs> it
1: was a portrait <laughs> yeah. device with a landscape video that yeah,
0: was, was very, weird. very strange. Yeah. Um.
1: But my point is that those things happened and Apple yeah. took those risks and once in a while they had much bigger hits. But I think it's it's all that It's almost like that criticism of Pixar. You know, like, you know, not everyone is gonna be a huge hit, but they have to try, they have to swing.
0: Yeah. And though it's also the case, it is a similar it's a decent analogy to Pixar in so far as that uh they can they have to take chances sometimes and yeah. but they they do have to be very careful about those chances because they can't really afford a complete dud. And the iPhone is is certainly that case. Yeah. Um, it's worth going back to that Warhol thing. Cause I've quoted it and, and people, you know, I wrote a piece uh, about two weeks ago, uh, basic gist of it, making the case of, I don't think people are thinking through this, the rumors of these three new phones, which we covered mm-hmm. a couple minutes ago. People aren't thinking this through. If those rumors are true, I think that people's assumptions about how these new iPhones are going to be priced and and how they're going to be available are way wrong. Insofar so far as that what it seemed, and, and the, re- the reaction to my article made clear that this is what people were thinking, is that they were thinking that the fancy new iPhone with the OLED display. I've been calling it the iPhone, I, iPhone Pro. People have been calling it iPhone yeah. X, iPhone Edition, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that it's going to be the new iPhone for the year just like in previous years and it will come in around the same prices as the iPhone seven and seven plus meaning like a 650, 700 ish starting point for the lowest end configuration, which is really just about storage space and a high end storage, you know, high end option up to right now. I think that that seven plus sells for nine sixty nine, So maybe, you know, somewhere, but under a thousand, um, and the gist of my argument is, if you look at the rumors, especially that there's going to be quote new 4.7 and 5.5 5 inch phones, and and some of the rumors include that they're going to get more than just it's not just like the um, not just like the Series One Apple Watch, where it's a very you know pretty much like the series the original Apple Watch, but just with one you know just with the new uh, system on a chip, but otherwise almost indistinguishable. Um, I don't think it's going to be like that at all. And if it is, then that would mean that these new 4.7 and 5.5 inch phones would probably come in at the same prices as the 7 and 7 Plus today. And therefore, the new OLED phone would have to have a higher price. And combine that with the fact that all these rumor mill things coming from the supply chain are saying that this thing is going to be supply constrained, might not even ship, period, until surprisingly late in the iPhone cycle, like like November or even December, they're saying that it may not even, you know, it may not consumers may not get one in their hands until December. Um, again, if that's the case, it has to have a high, well, it doesn't have to. I mean, obviously, Apple could just eat money, you know, and and, yes. <laughs> and leave money on the table. But the rules of supply and demand would suggest that it should have a higher price. And I say should not, again, not in a moral sense, but according to the rules of supply and demand, where if there's a product... They
1: could do like AirPods, where they sell them close to what they can, and then they're continually out of stock, or they could price them so that it sort of balances and normalizes out the supply.
0: Right. And AirPods are worth going back to as an example. I think, for example, if Apple wanted to right now, or at least, and if they had any idea of how tightly constrained they were going to be all along, they could have sold AirPods for at least double the price, or almost double, mm-hmm. let's say $299, which is a little less than double because they sell for $159. But if AirPods sold for $299, I think that they would still be supply constrained right now. I think there'd be enough people buying them for 299 that the people who do buy them would say enough rave things about them uh, I, mean, I I I would still rave about them. I would still be happy if I had purchased them. I I would obviously at 2.99 would be a little bit less cons- a little bit more conservative about recommending them and I yes. and obviously people would have double the anxiety about losing them, etc. but I still think that they'd be sold out because clearly there's not enough of them.
1: Um, yeah I don't think the people who do buy them are, are particularly price sensitive at that point right. they want the new technology now
0: right I think that they set the price because that's the other thing is that Apple does see prices as part of the marketing of a of mm-hmm. a product and that's you know outside just the simple rules of supply and demand uh, it, it, you know they're not looking to just price gauge price gouge what they can get right now this year this quarter for this product it's about setting a value proposition for this product line for years to come that's why the mac pro as a perfect example didn't drop in price even when it wasn't updated for 17 years
1: yeah yeah they don't want anyone to see a race to the bottom in their
0: market right because 18 years later next year when they come out with the new mac pro they still want those high (laughs) price points uh,
1: absolutely
0: you know it's the complete opposite of say dell and this drives people nuts to know what these components cost but like you go and configure a dell whatever with this cpu and this much ram and it's this type of ram it's ddr4 whatever uh and this graphics card and yeah you, you wait and then like you go back next week and configure the same machine the price might be twenty dollars lower Yep. Like, you know, Dell actually swings their you know, and you get these weird prices like you know, that the system is gonna cost thirteen hundred and seventy-three dollars. You know, they don't
1: and I'm not it, convinced if you mm. log in again a few hours later, it right. won't just randomly give you a different price.
0: Right. Whereas Apple picks these numbers that are the numbers are part of the pricing when they tend to pick yeah. even numbers like uh, you know, nine ninety-nine or or whatever. Uh prices and the prices do not move as the year goes on. Uh, It's part of the marketing. Uh, Anyway, I wrote this article. (laughs) Got some attention. (laughs) It it really, it got, I I knew it was going to make some people upset, but it surprised me how far outside the normal sphere of things it got. Like I got a phone call or an email from CNBC. CNBC wanted me on in the afternoon on TV to talk about it. Uh, And I I might've done it depending on where they wanted me to go, but I was on vacation at the time. There's no way I, I, I could do it. Um but that does not happen typically for me <laughs> with my articles. Not um I mean I'm not trying to be fake humble, but I you know you know my audience. I mean I write and I'm pop- yes. it's popular, but it's popular within a very narrow niche. It's not the type of thing where I write a, a column for Daring Fireball and CNBC wants me to talk about it. Yeah, but this is not a
1: sensationalist, which is typically what they favor.
0: <laughs> right. Although I think I think suggesting that the starting price might be as high as $1200 is qualifies as sensational but i think sensational in that it might be realistic
1: well you provided a lot of logic to to back it up it wasn't you know how how, like someone else might have put a headline like apple looking to gouge you for 1500 Mm. bucks on the next iphone right
0: so anyway you mentioned the andy warhol quote and i've mentioned it many times before and and people have written to me and this is i need to i think i need to bring it up and respond to it um Many times over the years, I've mentioned that the iPhone reminds me of Andy Warhol's quote about Coca-Cola in America. Here's the quote. This is Andy Warhol. What's great about this country is that America started the tradition where the richest consumers buy essentially the same things as the poorest. You can be watching TV and see Coca-Cola, and you know that the president drinks Coke, Liz Taylor drinks Coke, and just think, you can drink Coke too. A Coke is a Coke, and no amount of money can get you a better Coke than the one the bum on the corner is drinking. All the cokes are the same and all the cokes are good. Liz Taylor knows it, the president knows it, the bum knows it and you know it. It's a great quote and it's totally true, but it was or it was true. Um and there is some aspect of that to the iPhone. But okay. cokes cost like a dollar. You know, cokes are things that a literal panhandler could afford. A bum on the corner really can buy a Coke. You know, I think a lot of them buy other beverages, but (laughs) but if they're really thirsty for a Coke, they can buy one. Yeah, they can't buy an iPhone. Like, let's face it. Number one, the analogy breaks down to some degree insofar as that the cheapest iPhone Apple has ever sold is, in the grand scheme of this globe and humanity, an extraordinarily expensive premium product.
1: I think they also, you know, that that quote is absolutely true, but it doesn't really understand. Like Coke as a business sells Coke, but they would it's sort of like Apple just selling iPhone. They would never have grown as a business if all they ever did was sell that one same Coke. Uh, which is why Coca-Cola is one like – if you would go and look at Coca-Cola, it's one of the most diversified companies you'll find. Mm-hmm. They they have their fingers into almost everything. And they have whole lines of beverages that are more expensive than Coke. Oh. It's just they're, they're smart about branding. And sometimes people mm-hmm. don't know exactly what they do. But it, And Pepsi has – what is it? Pepsi 1897 well, that has and, real sugar in it.
0: And it costs more money. Yeah. And, and, and I, I personally do not care for the taste of Pepsi-Cola. I never have. I do enjoy the taste yep. of a Coca-Cola. And uh, at least here in the United... Do you guys have Mexican Coke up in Canada, or are you too far away?
1: We have some... I don't know if it's similar, but we have kosher Coke that, that uh, has real might sugar be. in it.
0: Then it might be very yeah. similar. So in, in in America, there's this... Uh, it, it's to the point now where you can buy it at Target. It, it's it's really become <laughs> almost a mass market. It, it seems like the Coca-Cola company at first was sort of uh, almost trying to... almost considered it like a gray market product mm-hmm. that they wanted retailers not to sell and you could you'd have to go to uh, when i first heard of it you had to go to like uh mexican restaurants like real mexican restaurants here in the city like not like a, a, a chain mexican restaurants no, but taco a, bell <laughs> right but like a little mom and pop real mexican restaurant and they would sell mexican coca-cola because in mexico like there's this whole complicated i don't want to go too far into it. I think most people probably know it, but because the United States is, A, grows a lot of corn and B, because of weird government subsidies, uh, ends up paying farmers to grow way more corn than anybody would ever actually eat in terms of eating things that are made with corn. Uh, It actually is super cheap to use excess corn to turn it into corn syrup, which is a Mm -hmm. form of sugar that it becomes phenomenally cheaper than cane sugar made from sugar cane. And the, the hitch is that uh, corn syrup, most people do not consider things that are... If you substitute uh, corn syrup for cane sugar in most recipes, it does not taste as good. It's nowhere near as different as substituting a sugar substitute, You know, like, like what's in Diet Coke or Coke Zero yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's definitely a difference. And I, I, I don't know anybody who can't taste test the difference between a corn syrup Coke and a... Well, I'm sure there are some people who just don't drink... Sugared stuff, period. But I could easily, I, I i would bet thousands of dollars that I could Pepsi challenge the difference between a corn syrup Coke and a Mexican Coke. And I and they have prefer Pepsi the Mexican Retro, Coke.
1: I think, too, which is the yeah. same sugar based Coke. Well, anyway, oh, sorry, guess cold. what?
0: Mexican Coke tastes are uh, cost more money. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can buy a better Coke. Not all the Cokes are the same anymore. Uh,
1: and they test a lot of things and some of them fail and they get rid of them. And if some of they succeed, they double down on
0: them, which I think is what Apple needs to do. Yeah. My favorite, uh, a part of this. And again, it's just a thing that popped into my head and it is obviously a first world privilege type situation. But I remember, I've told this story before, one of the, when I used to go to South by Southwest, so I don't know, it's four, I think it's been at least four or five years since I did, but sometime four or five years ago, roughly, um, uh, where I was at South by Southwest and, uh, some friends and I went out to, uh, a steak dinner, uh, and we had a nice little meal. And as we were leaving, uh, and this South by Southwest takes place in Austin, Texas. We were leaving. People had to go to the restroom before we left or, uh, uh, waiting to get seated. Standing by himself was Michael Dell. And I knew who he was. And I, you know, I was like, wow, that's, you know, there's Michael Dell. Uh, and he was poking at like, uh, uh, some kind of windows based cell phone. And I thought, wow, there's Michael Dell, a billionaire, great one of the you know one of the great innovators, you know, guy who cha- truly changed the world. You know, he's the guy who yeah. more or less invented the the PC clone business, um,
1: and a lot of supply chain stuff, logistical so by- management, right?
0: It, it all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff. Well deserved, tremendous success. But there he is using. I don't know if it was. I don't even know if Dell made uh, phones, but he wasn't using an iPhone. He was using some kind of Windows Phone type thing. So my first thought is, wow, there's Michael Dell. And then my second thought was, holy shit, I. <laughs> I have a better cell phone than Michael Dell. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, I presume that Bill Gates doesn't use an iPhone, that he was, at least at the time, because Microsoft was still trying, you know, to to be, uh, you know, yeah. uh, part of... Uh, uh, you know a, a, a provider of of mobile phone platforms i thought holy shit wherever bill gates is i have a better i have a better i have a better <laughs> cell phone than bill gates there's nothing that he can do you know the richest man in the world who cares about computers both of these guys obviously care about computers there's nothing they can do no amount of money that they can spend to get a better cell phone than the one i had as a you know <laughs> guy who runs mm-hmm. daring fireball uh, and that that's sort of the thinking in my mind behind the analogy to the Coca-Cola thing. It breaks down so easily because, like I said, there are billions of people on the planet. The most more people on the planet than there are who can afford an iPhone, even if they wanted one, who can't, can't mm-hmm. possibly afford one. So it, now it that analogy breaks down. And the other problem with it too is that even if I'm exactly right and that the iPhone X or iPhone Pro or whatever it's gonna be called costs starts at twelve hundred dollars and goes to like fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. That's not a luxury product. That's I mean it's it is by some standards, but it's not like the difference between a Honda and a Ferrari. Yeah. You know, it's it's more like the difference between a you know, a Honda and a Acura or something like that. Right. It is not something that's outside. It might be more than people want to pay, but most people, a lot of people who can afford a $969 iPhone 7 Plus could, if they so choose, also afford a $1,200 iPhone Pro. They just may not be happy about the extra $200 in price. But it's not like it's trying to ask somebody to buy. the the, Perfect example. It's not like trying to ask somebody to buy a $20,000 gold Apple Watch.
1: No, and I know a lot of people who buy the Honda instead of the Acura and then laugh at the person who wasted their money on the Acura. I mean, people are funny
0: in all different ways. Right, right. And, you know, you, you, you know, and, and there's some people, and I think, I think that my audience and, and your audience, you know, our collective audience, are skewed by the fact that the whole reason they are, they are our audience and they're listening to us go on and on about this is because they care really deeply about this. And they really know exactly what the difference is between the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 6S. Yeah. And whether they chose to buy one or not, they know exactly what they're missing out on if they didn't buy it. And they know exactly what they're getting if they do buy it and upgrade from whatever iPhone that they had. And they're tuned into these rumors and they really are excited about the idea of a iPhone that maybe has a uh, an exciting new industrial design and it's, and they've been basing their hopes on the assumption that they will be get it, getting it for a six or $700 and
1: yeah, totally, you know, and I get it. Um, I think the hard thing is because a lot of the feedback that you and I got is that why, why are you not attacking Apple over this? Why are you not standing up for us and telling Apple this is bad? Right. And I don't know about you, but my strategy is when there's rumors about Apple's things, I want to understand it first because nothing exists. These products have not been announced yet. Apple's revealed no products, no pricing, right. nothing. All we have is speculation. And I want to sort of see if, if it's valid or not. And the only way I can do that is sort of try to understand in, if Apple is doing this, what world does it make sense? Because Apple's usually a pretty logical company. What world is does it make sense? for Apple to do this. And I'm not going to take a position on it yet because I'm still trying to understand it. It's sort of like Nile's famous article about the headphone jack being user hostile and stupid. <laughs> that was written before it launched. And I, I, would, I think that's a fine article to write when it's launched because if you write it based on rumors, Apple's already made that phone. There, there's right. nothing you can do to have them go and have Phil Schiller use a little hammer and knock right. a headphone jack. But you know, it doesn't really exist. So you can try to understand it. But once it launches, I'll, I'll take an opinion on whether I right. think it's good or not. Now I just want to understand it
0: uh well i got in even further trouble because the first time i mentioned this wasn't even in an article devoted to it but in a a, i forget what i linked to but i linked to something and offhandedly uh, i tossed out the idea and i guess i was being slightly sensationalist is the wrong term because i didn't put it in a headline it wasn't clickbait but i i at least wanted to poke the bee's nest uh and i said you know what if it just, what if it starts at 15? What if the starting price for this new iPhone is $1,500? Uh, and I said, I, and I was saying that I would, I think that would be a good idea or I would like that. Um, and, and when I really thought about it, I think 1500 is probably too high. And I, I, when I really thought about it, I came up with 1200 as a starting price. But I still think that I would like that. And some people took it the wrong way of me saying I would like it because I think I'll be able to afford that. And then I'll have an iPhone that fewer people can afford. Yeah. It's like an and, elitist thing. An elitist thing. And that is absolutely not the way I look at it at all. I, I really don't. I actually, and, and again, the people who have a a better argument or at least demand a more nuanced argument for me, which I hope I've been able to deliver so far here on this show is that analogy to the Coke thing, which I still stand behind and I still like, right? I, I, you know, I don't say this because I think, um, I want a phone that other people can't afford. I, I certainly didn't buy the gold Apple watch, um, uh, I bought the stainless steel one, the space yeah. space black one, and ultimately regret it. I actually think the best i 've said this before I think the best Apple watch is the the sport models or as they're, I don't, they 're they don 't really call them that anymore, but like the the like the Nike ones and the ones that you know the yeah. ones that are made of aluminum uh, i think they 're the best ones I think they actually have better haptics i think that they 're actually mm-hmm. i think that the material that they 're made out of is actually more net, more honest to the product. Um uh, the only thing I really like better about the stainless steel ones is that they have the sapphire um yes, the sapphire front, which is truly scratch proof like an aluminum one with a sapphire front would be ideal to me uh uh so it's not elitism it's it's what I hope to go into in the rest of the show, which is that I really think that apple apple's current strategy is not sustainable Um, uh, or at least opens them up to certain risks,
1: yeah, I think it's it's also interesting because um, there's a there's there are a few dangers with Apple pungentry, and that is when you have uh, angry angry critic yelling at the clouds, Apple gets trained to just dismiss it. like people said making a gold-colored iPhone is stupid. It was made fun of on Conan. Right. People said it was going to be garish. There was so many jokes. and then when it shipped and people actually saw it, they, the complaints rapidly turned to, why can't I get them? Why didn't Apple make enough? Why are they jerks? <laughs> and AirPods was the same. These are stupid. Oh, like, why is Apple making these? What a way, how terrible? And then it quickly shifted to, these are terrific. Why can't I get them? <laughs> and Apple, I think, I think that was part of the problem with the touch bar is that Apple is so used to people telling them that everything, right. every rumor is garbage, that they've become right, right. desensitized to legitimate criticism. And that's why I'm very careful about what and when I choose to sort of apply that, because otherwise it'll be a bunch of people saying, "Oh, this new iPhone is stupid." Before it ships, and Apple will go, "Ah, you always say that."
0: Yeah. All right. Let me take another break here and thank our next sponsor. Um, it's Hello Pillow. H U L L O, pronounced hello. Have you ever tried a buckwheat pillow? They are totally different than the fluffy, soft pillows most of us are used to. They're similar to a bean bag allows you to adjust its shape and thickness. Kind of heavy, too. Uh, It supports your head and neck how you want it to, unlike traditional squishy soft pillows, which collapse under the weight of your head. Soft pillows uh, allow your neck to fall in a downward bend, adding uncomfortable pressure to nerves and discs and muscles. Hello pillow really supports your neck and supports your head. Uh, And also, and this is important, we talked about the weather. uh, It stays cool and dry compared to pillows uh, filled with feathers or foam. Most pillows absorb and retain body heat and moisture, making your pillow feel warm and humid the longer you lay on it. Buckwheat tends to breathe better, no more flipping to the cool side of the pillow. You don't need to do that. I can vouch for it. Again, we have them here. We're pretty much, uh, the sponsors on this episode are pretty much uh, the things we sleep on here in the Gruber household. Um, The mattress, the pillow, uh, they've sent me some uh we love him my wife this is actually the thing my wife misses when we travel she's she's not so much cares about the mattress but really misses uh the pillow she actually she wants to uh, she she did this on her own podcast uh, just the tip she loved doing the reads i think she made paul confesses do the reads for most of the sponsors but when they had hello pillow as a sponsor she insisted on doing it because she loves this pillow so much uh it's like one of her favorite things it does sound weird Like you think it's like a beanbag. That is not like a pillow that I've ever seen anywhere else. It's I've never heard of it before. They sent me one and started sponsoring the show. It is totally different. It is not like somehow they've turned a beanbag like pillow into something that is light and fluffy, like a feather filled pillow. It is totally different. Uh, And you first put your head on it and you can hear that there's beans in there. You're like, this is a little weird. I don't know about it. Uh, But then you actually give it a try and it is different and it is good do you use do you use two pillows to uh or fold one pillow to get your proper support i i that's what i used to do um uh that's a sign that your pillow isn't firm enough or thick enough hello pillow you don't need two pillows you just have one and it does the job uh and you can add or remove fill from uh the zippered opening so if you if if Feel like the one that you get has too much. You'd rather have it have have even less support. You just unzip it, take some of the uh, the buckwheat things out, zip it back up, and you're ready to go. Uh, again, this is another product that is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. And and here's the deal: you think I just don't know about this? You know, buying a premium pillow without even feeling it or whatever. They have a sixty night sleep on it guarantee. So you buy it. Try it for 60 days. And again, if you don't like it, send it back. They'll take it for free and give you a full refund. You cannot lose. So if you're in any way dissatisfied with your current pillows, if you've got like a crick in your neck or just a crick in your neck every once in a while just from sleeping, give them a try. It's a great product. Really do sleep on it. I sleep on one every night. My wife does too. I um, wouldn't say it if it weren't true. HelloPillow.com slash talk show is where you go to find out more. Uh, that's H-U-L-L-O Pillow. P I L L O W.com slash talk show. And if you try more than one pillow, you get a discount of up to 20 bucks per pillow, depending on the size. Uh, fast free shipping on every order, too. And last but not least, 1% of all of Hello Pillow's profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Great company, great product. And if you get more than one pillow, you'll get a tremendous discount 20 bucks, up to 20 bucks per pillow. So try them out at Pillow dot com slash talk show. So we're talking about this idea of what if, what if the, there's that this new fancy OLED phone is a higher end new tier. Uh, I don't think I, I, and I wrote, I tried to emphasize this. I just don't think it's getting through people's heads. Some people just how unbelievably difficult it is for Apple to produce uh, iPhones at the scale that they produce every year. They, I think last year they sold around 70 million iPhones in the first quarter that the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus went on sale. And just by looking at average selling prices, that which is what they... They don't break down unit sales. I mean, Apple is a little bit more forthcoming with iPhone sales than... Well, they're more forthcoming than any other company in the phone business. And they're more forthcoming than they are with like Apple Watch and stuff like that. Um, but they don't break down by model. They give some hints... Um, in the quarterly finance calls, like we we learned last year that they un they they under underestimated the demand for the seven plus, yes, um, and that touches back on what I said earlier, which is that Apple is not they don't have a perfect forecast for these things.
1: I think no, ha- their demand forecasting has been like the SE, the underestimated demand for the smaller phone. It's it's been a few of those.
0: Yeah, the SE. um Uh, really I think they were way off they were that thing was you know you would think that that would be one of the easier to produce devices because the form factor was the same as the uh 5s and it was using the then uh then six month old system on a chip uh and instead they so vastly underestimated it that they was behind for months before they the was.
1: rumor was that they thought people would buy it because it was less expensive and they didn't realize how many would buy it simply because it was smaller
0: yep exactly uh, and everybody I know who has one bought it because it's smaller I have a yeah. ton of friends uh, who own and love the SE uh, simply because it's smaller
1: um, yep yeah. And especially because the seven the seven plus was more expensive to, than the previous plus yep. phones had been, I think it was twenty bucks more, yeah. and they thought maybe that would dampen enthusiasm for it. But instead, it they, the dual camera system was enough, and I don't I think that was too late to sort of change their thinking on yep. this. But if they did have any reservations about whether they could test the upward price elasticity, I think that quickly evaporated them.
0: Yeah, and I think that 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 term price elasticity is is an important one to think about, which is that Apple has not. Really tested it. I mean, they've sort of tested it slightly with the with the first Plus models, uh, and they tested it even more last year by adding twenty dollars to the cost of the Plus models, and having a very compelling. I think. I think. I think. I I, I think in hindsight, the dual camera system is a very big selling point. I think enough yeah. people, casual users of the iPhone see it as, as it, whether they think of it that way or not, they probably think of it as a communications device first, uh, texting and messaging and, and, you know, reading web pages and the stuff you do, everybody does. And I think as a camera second, uh, and I think being able to take better photos, uh, in some cases, noticeably better photos, right? Yeah. And, and in a worst case, exactly equal to the iPhone seven, right? If you're using the, the, the wider angle lens in most conditions, the worst you're going to do is get the exact same photo you've gotten on the iPhone seven. And in other cases, like with portrait mode, when portrait mode works, it is unbelievable. It really is. In my opinion, I I think it's emotional, right? I just can't believe it came from a phone. I really can't. As somebody who still shoots shoots a lot of photos using quote unquote, real cameras, you know, like uh, we were, we, before we went on vacation, we went on a, we, we had a family wedding um, and, and um, the it was down in South Carolina and and the family rented a beach house for people to stay at for a couple of days because it's a lot of family who hadn't seen each doesn't get to see each other regularly people from all over the place um, so I took my my Fuji x100s um, and shot a whole bunch of photos there and there were some of them. Where and I I would just as a test because you know I'm a nerd even when I'm at a family outing like that I'm doing stuff like this where I'm taking a a photo with the X100S and I quick take out my iPhone and take the exact same photo and then later go back and look at it on a a big screen and see what the difference is, um, and I could see it. There were some cases where I took like a photo and I was like, wow, this is why it's worth it. Don't don't be a dummy and you know never take your X100S out with you. Sometimes you really if it's a you know an event like that, do it. Um. But then I also, I still have the Red 7 Plus review unit. When when the Red phone came out, Apple sent me a review unit for that. Uh, it's probably around the time I should send it back, but I still had it. Uh, and I took some photos with that when I was on vacation. And some of the portrait mode photos, I, I cannot believe that they were from a phone. that They gave me the same feeling I got when I looked at the photos from the X100S compared to the same photo on the 7, and just in terms of, uh, it, it's not it's not just the trickery of having a blurred out background it just it's like you said it's like an emotional truth to the photo that that isn't there so it's compelling And
1: 11 is even better at it it's in their lower light so they're just working they're, right. they're inc- continuing to improve it through software which you can't do in a normal camera
0: right, right. and that's before they tell us about the whatever improvements they've made to dual yes. camera hardware technology right that you're you know for for seven plus users ios 11 is going to be a significant camera update it's, it's pretty yeah. exciting um uh I, so I think what happened in hindsight with demand was that so many people were waiting for a big a big iPhone, quote unquote big one, that the iPhone 6 Plus was more popular than they expected because there were mm-hmm. they knew there was pent up demand. Famously it came out in the Samsung uh, emails that had to be released, uh, you know, during the Samsung lawsuit where uh, there was a slide presentation that before iPhone, you know, I think around 2013 or so that, that the quote was, this is from an Apple internal presentation. Consumers want what we don't have bigger phones. Um, so they knew that they knew that. And I think they even under, even they underestimated it. And then I think with the six, six S they were like, well, these plus phones are super, you know, we underestimated and we'll make more of them and then with the 6s plus it was a little bit they they overshot demand for that. Yeah. And then with the 7 I think they went back to well, I think the 6 just you know 6 plus was popular just because there was pent up demand so we'll decrease it this time. And I think they underestimated just how compelling the dual camera was going to be.
1: Yeah, again yeah, it wasn't about the size, it was about the camera.
0: Right. But moving the upper price all the way to 969 is certainly starting to stretch the test the limits of of uh yeah. um, price elasticity. But anyway, yeah, even be- even with the plus ones though, they still have to make them in massive quantities, truly massive, you know, 10 tens of millions per quarter quantities.
1: And it's a like people have talked before about how it's a miracle that Windows boots up on as much hardware as it does every time and it's it become an equal miracle that Apple can get every single component of the 100 million iPhones they need to produce ready by the same sort of September deadline every year. Right.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, And I think, you know, and there's been a lot of stuff recently because we just passed the 10-year anniversary of the original Mm -hmm. iPhone shipping to consumers. I, I think people forget just how much the original iPhone was a, a sort of, we can't make many of these sort of device. You know, I think mm-hmm. Apple famously, Steve Jobs said famously that they were hoping to sell 10 million iPhones by the end of the next year. So in other words, yeah. like in the first 18 months that it was on sale, they wanted to send, sell 10 million phones. Um, and they surpassed that, but not by much. You know, it, it, was, it was a pretty good ballpark estimate. Um, and now, of course, they sell, you know, a, 200 to $300 million per year. But they couldn't have sold. It, it, it makes sense. It's one of those jumping the chasm yep. marketing things where obviously the first iPhone, even no matter how much consumer awareness there was and no matter how much goodwill and how many happy iPod users they had out there, it, the idea of buying a 600 or $700 phone and the idea of buying something with this all-new all touchscreen technology where there's just no button to... No hardware button to make a phone call or to hang up or no hardware keypad to dial phone numbers Um was the sort of thing that, it, of course, it was going to take a couple of years for, for the mass market to move there. But even if somehow magically there had been demand for 100 million iPhones in that first year, there's Apple couldn't have made them. There's no way they could have made them. No.
1: They there's, were on one carrier in one country and they had and even then they could only like, it was only people who were not on a contract who were willing to break their contract to get it that they had to sort of service right
0: so i you know there's to me it makes sense as uh, i can 't think of any other product that 's quite like the iPhone where the the best selling market or best selling product is the highest the highest tiered one yeah. year after year after year uh, and it 's been fantastic for Apple financially. Uh, and it's been exciting for consumers insofar as that they can, you know, you can always go in and every time, whether you upgrade every year or two years or every three years, you can go in and, and for the same price, get the quote, best iPhone. Um, it, it's, I don't think it's sustainable at, at the quantities that they've reached at this point.
1: No, and it's also not a, like one of the biggest challenges Apple's had in the market is growth. It doesn't matter how much you've sold. It matters how much more you are going to sell. And eventually they'll get to the point where there's just every human who wants an iPhone has one and there's no Apple stores on Mars. So you have to start <laughs> adding other markets. Well, you literally do. You have to start adding other markets. And they did that. They were like, everyone who was willing, who was on AT&T or willing to switch to AT&T has an iPhone. So we have to add Verizon and international carriers. And then everyone had those. Finally, they got China Mobile. So the easy growth steps by just simply adding more territories were done. And then it was, everybody who was willing to have an under uh, 4-inch phone uh, had one. And if they wanted to grow the market, they had to add an over 4-inch phone because that's the only part of the market that Samsung was actually dominating was the premium phone market over 4 inches in size. So they added 4.5 and 5... Sorry, 4.7 and 5.5. And then those people bought iPhones. And then it was, well, are we leaving space underneath this? Are we creating an umbrella? Um we can't keep addressing it with things like the last phone. Can we make a phone that appeals? It's like a TV show, not like a big blockbuster movie, but it's like a TV show and people will buy it and it's less expensive. And maybe it was the wrong product or maybe that's not a good market for Apple or whatever reason it didn't work, but there's still other questions. Can we, can we grow the market by creating a premium tier where people would love the iPhone so much they're willing to buy more iPhone from us. And all you can do in business is, is annex the next nearest neighbor market. And that's sort of what Apple has been strategically doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I also think it's risky for them not to try it. And yep. and you know, Samsung is obviously their biggest rival and it's, you know, in terms of quantity and in terms of, you know, that's it's no mistake that that's where the Wall Street Journal article about who's, you know, who's taken the design crown from Apple is that it's Samsung. Um <coughs> I don't think that Apple can count on that though can't count on samsung not making a better leap can't count on some other company making a dent you know uh, it would be foolish you know the pixel is a very nice phone i've actually had it out in in the last few days because i've been mostly on twitter writing about i don't know if we'll get to it on this show but changes to the ios 11 notification center that i don't like compared to ios 10 and comparing it to the latest and greatest on android where some you know long been held by some people that that Android has a better, whatever you think of Android versus iOS overall, that I, Android has a better notification UI, which I kind of disagree with, especially compared to iOS 10, but I'm not sure I disagree with it compared to iOS They're both worse than webOS.
1: We all know that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true.
0: Uh, I've been thinking about webOS and Palm a lot, too, in this yeah. t- I- iPhone, 10, iPhone 10 year nostalgia. Uh, my God, my biggest regret in my is that palm didn't make it or, or that somebody yeah. didn't somebody like microsoft like instead of wasting all that money on nokia what if they bought palm instead and just yeah. thrown thrown money at the hardware to get it to go fast enough to to make that work uh oh that's my deepest regret because man that yeah. was that's the only other ui that i uh, i ever liked Really liked overall, and in some ways, I really did like it better than than the iPhone uh, OS. Anyway, that's a long digression. Did a lot of
1: things right. Yes,
0: there's en- there were enough former Apple people at Palm that it made sense. But my the the gist of my reaction, my overall take to WebOS was that WebOS was a more Apple-y product historically. Like if you look at the heyday of the original Mac, like mm-hmm. that 1985 through 19. 19- Ninety five, ninety six—the best of Apple design and the sort of thinking that made the Newton great—and uh, and it really made the original at the at the when the Mac OS, the classic Mac OS, had the biggest advantage UI-wise over Windows and everything else. That a lot of the sentiment that made it great then was in WebOS, and not in ways—not that that iOS was bad in any of those ways, but it was sort of like it overlooked some of it. Uh, like the notification, the way that notifications in webOS were years ahead of iOS and very, very elegant. It's a different problem that's being solved, but it reminds me of the control strip in uh, classic macOS, which was still to me, every time I sit here and fiddle with these stupid little icons, (laughs) my menu bar icons on macOS 10, it just pains me to think of how how nicely uh, the classic macOS solved that problem of wanting to have persistent little icons for adjusting things without cluttering the freaking menu bar, which should really be for menus. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Good digression. It's it's a very good digression. But anyway, I've got the pixel here and I've been using it. I hadn't used it for, uh, I don't know. I, I could tell by some of my notifications, I hadn't used it for like 20 weeks. Um, it's a nice phone. I gave
1: mine to Serenity. She was just in town and she wanted to try it. So mine is currently on loan to Serenity Caldwell.
0: It's a nice phone. It's it's yeah. way better than any Android phone I've ever seen before. And the combination of hardware and software, I still like way more than any Samsung phone. I just can't stand the the the, the Samsung UI Chrome that they insist on adding yeah. to their phones. No matter how nice the S eight looks, object you know, just without thinking about the software. Um, but it's you know. <laughs> there, it's I, it, I I repeat you know I repeat myself but I cannot believe how much criticism the iPhone Seven got last year for looking quote unquote just like uh, yeah. the iPhone Six and Six S when the. <laughs> Google Pixel looks exactly like an iPhone It got graded on a curve. Right. It's one of the greatest curves I've ever seen, uh, grading curves I've ever seen in my life. Was. And this
1: was apparently a rush job. Like they couldn't get the hardware they wanted. So they just got HTC to put this together for them. So well, and we'll it's get a it, pixel particularly
0: inexplicable insofar as that it has the exact same proportioned chin and forehead yeah. as the iPhone 7. And Okay, uses the forehead for the same purposes as the iPhone, to have a speaker grill and front-facing cameras and other sensors, but then has the chin that that literally has nothing. It doesn't have a barren chin. Has no button, has no sensor for your fingerprint, has no soft buttons. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I but you can't count. lines and an antenna window. It's very confusing. Look, look, Google has a ton of money. uh, And I, I don't think that they would do it what I'm about to say. But you can't count them out strategically, that they could they could come in and, and design a Pixel phone. Because they do have liberties with the Pixel line, because they're not trying to sell 100 million of them. They know that Samsung is going to sell the most high-end phones. And they know that the middle, the meaty middle of the Android market that makes up that Chunk that gives them the the overall market share value is is cheap phones around the world, lower yeah. cost phones around the world from dozens of different little manufacturers. So they can do whatever they want with the Pixel brand, and so I don't think strategically that Apple could count out the fact that they could build a a, a Pixel super phone that Apple couldn't not couldn't beat because they couldn't do it, but that they couldn't sell at two hundred to three hundred million of a year.
1: Well, that's the rumors that the, 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 there's a rumor that the CFO at Google has taken over a lot of things, which is why you see so many of the product managers uh, just you know running for cover uh, and, and not releasing a new chat client every three days anymore. And one of the things she apparently wants is an iPhone. And the rumor was this year, Pixel 2 would have like the, the squeeze sides, like the HTC 11, where it doesn't have buttons anymore, and, or, or there's a portless mm-hmm. prototype, apparently, which is where sort of where you hear Apple going in the future, too. So it sounds very much like that's exactly what Google wants to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I I just feel – so here's a tweet. uh, Somebody tweeted us because you and I are sort of on the same page with this, but somebody tweeted to us. uh, uh, I think you and Renee Ritchie, this is to me, are understating what a huge gamble this strategy would be, this strategy meaning Apple introducing a new super tier of post-$1,000 phones that iPhones that sell in smaller quantity. There's so much brand power in the new iPhone. I totally get that. I totally get that that is, it has been a huge part of the iPhone's success. And it is part of the brand that every year you can get excited and there's going to be a new iPhone and you're going to find all about it in September. And you'll be able to place a pre-order. It, you know, it's, uh, what, is it three days later? Do they take the they take the pre-orders? Yeah, it's
1: usually the, the Friday right after the event.
0: Right. So the, like, they have like a Tuesday or Wednesday event. And then on Friday, you can place a pre-order and it, it, the pre-orders will ship in like two weeks or something or 10 days. And then there's, there's, there's a reviews come out like the next Wednesday or something like that from people who get seated with pre-release hardware. And there's this whole formula we go through totally get it that that's part of the, part of the brand of the iPhone. Um, but the. did, my big take is that it's risky. Yes. So it would be risky for them to do this because it would be a change and who knows how it's going to go over. And the, the disaster would be if they think, hey, we can only make 10 or 20 million of these super phones in this first quarter. It goes on sale. So no matter how popular it is, that's the most we'll get. But if it really dampens demand for the other mm-hmm. iPhones, that could be a problem and they'll sell fewer overall iPhones and that's... and. And worse, generate fewer, less revenue and profits. Or if
1: it alienates traditional customers, who then start looking elsewhere, I think is a
0: big risk. Right, and I don't think that's a ridiculous idea to have. Uh, I think it's a huge. I think this is a huge product marketing challenge in every sense of of the 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 words product marketing in Mm -hmm. Apple's way where I've said this before and you know, this probably even better than I do based on, on some of your sources at Apple, but product people think marketing and they think, well, marketers are the people who somebody, somebody goes out in a company and designs a product and they make a product. And then they, at the end, here it is. And then they give it to marketing and they're like, now sell this. And then marketing makes a box for it and then comes up with an ad campaign uh, and it goes out to the world. And then that's marketing's job. And there might be, you know, in some companies, that is how marketing works. Marketing is told, here's what we're going to sell. You come up with a way to sell it. At Apple, product marketing is is involved at every step of the way of the conception of a product and the design of the product. Um, and, and that the, the the selling points aren't determined after it's given to them. The selling points are determined before it's even made.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they sort of have a, what I what I love about Apple, and I think it's one of their best qualities, is both in hardware and software, they have features that marketing really wants or someone like Johnny Ive really wants. Right. And I still laugh when people think Johnny Ive is not connected with Apple because all the stuff goes through <laughs> him. Oh. Uh, it, 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 it gets pitched in, but there's things, there, some of the biggest things we've seen in recent years have been an engineer who came up with an idea and pitched it to Johnny or pitched it to Craig. Uh, and then it goes through marketing and they figure out, can we sell this? Can this be a right. flagship feature? And then everything in Apple lines up behind it.
0: Right. Uh, and so this is a huge product marketing challenge, not in terms of starting, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they started coming up with, with ad campaigns for these phones, but in terms of the, the years long conception of the phones that were slated for the end of 2017 to come up with, if you're going to switch to a new super tier, how do you keep the, the mass market tier still popular? Both in terms of how do you actually, you know, what features do you actually put in there? And then how do you position them in advertising and in a keynote and et cetera, so that people want to buy it? It's a huge challenge. Absolutely. I think it's the hardest challenge Apple's ever done since the original iPhone. I, I really. And they've
1: did. had little steps to prepare for. this. like you know we, we're going to make two phones this year, which is different. You know, are, is that going to have any problems with it? We're going to make a less expensive iPhone. Are we going to bring the average selling price down too much because people are gravitating towards the five C more than they are towards the five S? I mean, all of those were, were sort of practice for this, but none of them had the risk associated with this.
0: Right. The the risk wasn't there. Like if the, yeah. worst case, like with the six plus, let's say that they had by a factor of two X underestimated just how many people wanted a five point five inch phone. It would have taken them a few quarters to get into to get that fixed, but it wouldn't have sunk them because at least people would have been shifting towards the more expensive of the two models. And it would have been mm-hmm. remediable for the next year because the next year's phones, the success and success plus, wouldn't have to be redesigned. They would just have to reappropriate which, you know, which one's going to be made yeah. in which quantities. Whereas if if this new if and again I could be wrong about all of this, who yeah. knows? You know, I really do <laughs> emphasize that. Uh, but if that they're introducing a new higher tier iPhone X with an OLED display, but that even if they buy every single OLED display that meets their standards for you know what they need for this thing to look good uh in the world, that they can only make, say, fifteen million of them in the first quarter. If it true, if the just the mere existence of that phone, uh, it means people buy fewer other phones, even if they're lined up to buy it in later yeah. quarters, but but back ordered by three months, that's a problem for Apple financially. Um,
1: yeah, and we saw the reverse of that when people sort of iPhone 6 pulled uh, upgrade cycles forward and people were super happy with it, but then they paid for that. Uh, in the 6S quarter. And right. you know, those things are very, the consistency of that is important. Right.
0: So I totally, and I think you agree, I totally agree it's a risky strategy. Um, yeah. But I also think it is risky to maintain the status quo where all new iPhones must be producible at 200 to 300 million units per year for roughly 650 to $950. Um to both not take be able to take advantage of components that may not be may not be available in hundreds of millions per year but only tens of millions per year uh means that they're seeding any of those type of features to companies that are willing to make high end phones in smaller quantities and by not testing the post you know above one thousand dollar uh Prices, price points, they're seeding the opportunity to create phones like that to other companies.
1: Yeah, and you were right earlier when you said that, you know, like, like iPad Pro, people think about it differently than iPad. And MacBook Pro, people, people don't think MacBook Pro is an elitist thing because I can only afford a MacBook. Right. Um, but I, w- I was joking on Twitter, and I kind of regret this in hindsight because it doesn't feel very Canadian. But I was joking that, you know, this is the company that replaced the iPod Mini with the iPod Nano, and they take risks to grow. Otherwise, you put on your blinders and you end up owning a base basketball team. <laughs> and I think that's really true because Microsoft was the classic example of never being able to look beyond Windows. And if you can milk every cent of profit that you want right. out of an existing product, but unless you're willing to take that gamble on what's next or what's more, that product will eventually hit too low for you to salvage.
0: Right. Um, I, it's, you know, it, it is not Canadian of you, but it's it, <laughs> it is it is what happened. Um, uh, uh, and I, one of the points I made. And, and again, and part of it is maybe fueled by the, and again, I'm anti 10 year anniversary mania. Uh, Again, is Apple not going to even mention that it's been 10 years, you know, in the next keynote? No, I guess they'll probably mention it, but I do not, I think it's the sort of thing that they might mention in the keynote. I absolutely do not think that they're going to build an ad campaign around these phones being quote, 10 year anniversary iPhones. Uh, and in fact, even if they do, I mean, maybe they'll surprise me, and I'll judge again. Like you said, let's judge them once they come out, and not prejudge them. I'll judge the ads when they come out, and maybe there's a way to do it that I would find. Wow, that is actually pretty good. Um, I tend to think an ad campaign based on this being the 10th anniversary of the iPhone is is a who gives a shit thing. Nobody gives. a Nobody in the real world, people, you know, 300 million people buying iPhones don't give a shit if it's the ninth year, or tenth year, or the eleventh year. They just don't.
1: And I think it's really informative. And I don't know if you got this vibe too, but when we looked at the 10-year celebrations, it was former Apple people who were celebrating. People inside Apple, they didn't really, it wasn't like the Macintosh anniversary where the signatures of everybody were suddenly on the wall. It really feels like Apple is not making a big deal out of this.
0: Right, and it's like the difference between strategy and tactics. Like, it certainly is a tactic to have a campaign this year, but it's a terrible long-term strategy because then what happens next year when it's the 11th year, which isn't a nice round number for a species that happens to have been born with five, five fingers on each hand, uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it. it you yeah. Know, if we if we'd been born with four fingers on each hand, we would have been celebrating this two years ago.
1: And uh, they didn't make a big deal out of iOS ten. I mean, it's just right. They they shipped it and then they got on with iOS eleven. Right.
0: I don't know. Uh, so I I don't know. I don't want to go on a long rant about this, but uh, I don't know. I just deeply suspicious that. Tenth year anniversary. Again, they might mention it in a keynote and do a thing where they run through and show us pictures of every single iPhone up until now, and then use that as a way to say, "And now we've got something even more exciting to show you." But that's that's a keynote. That's a way of framing something yeah. in a keynote. It's not an ad campaign, um, and certainly not, it's not a like
1: marketing. the tenth anniversary Mac make take right. an iPad, take like an iPhone form.
0: Right, and in fact, and people a, there's that's another that's another thing I'd like to shoot down is the idea that this OLED. Uh, just doing two phones at once and having an OLED model that might be more expensive and more exclusive would be a one-off, one-time thing just mm-hmm. to celebrate the iPhone 10th anniversary. Uh, that, to me, would be a, a canary in the virtual coal mine of, yes. wow, sell your Apple stock. They're, they really have lost their goddamn minds. Uh, <laughs> because that is absolutely horrible str- strategically you know again it's a tactic where at one point and one time they might rally up a bunch of their best fans to have them buy this phone but it's it's not a strategy that they can use as they evolve year after year after year it's it's putting all your putting a bunch of arrows in in one shot you know
1: and it's not even that dissimilar because right now today I can buy the best iPhone in the world, but for a hundred bucks less I can buy last year's iPhone. And right. this will be sort of a riff on that where I can buy the mainstream iPhone for hundred bucks less, I can buy last year's for hundred bucks more, I can buy next year's. Right. I love for that whatever the hundred bucks more is.
0: I, I love that framing of that it's not so much about raising the price of the best iPhone, but more like making making you know, making it possible to to spend more to get a 2019 iPhone today. Uh, Which was at, the
1: MacBook thing? Like the MacBook was literally technologies that were too expensive for them to sell at the ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine dollar iPad, sorry, iPhone, uh, MacBook Air pricing. Right. The, the screens were incredibly advanced. All the technology, the tiered batteries, they could not make it for much less. So they they made it as well. Right. We're putting this on the market. It's for a very specific sort of customers, and you don't have to get angry if it's not for you. Right. Uh, but for people who do want it, they can pay and get it.
0: Right. And we can actually measure how many years ahead it is by. How long it takes for a yep. just plain MacBook to be sold for nine hundred ninety nine dollars which
1: I mean the MacBook Pro just got that display this year, or right. I guess at the end of last year that's right. how long it took and it to get that display technology into the more mainstream
0: uh, computer right and that brings me to to my suggested name, iphone pro uh which i I stick to for a couple of reasons which is one and i've mentioned this before apple uses the word pro to mean something sometimes it does mean (laughs) professional like in the mac pro is a perfect example where there's there's really no reason for anybody to have ever bought any computer called the mac pro for anything other than professional purposes that i can think of i can't think of any reason uh MacBook Pros, though, for example, and even iPad Pros aren't necessarily about professional uses. Like in Apple's terms, Pro is just a way of denoting deluxe or, yes. pl- you know, but plus in Apple, in the iPhone sense, at first just meant bigger. Now it's a little bit more because it's iPhone with more because the camera does more, yeah. even though the first two models did have optical image stabilization, but that's a much, much smaller photographic advantage than this dual camera system. It was like, they were the, they they were like, it's the same as the other phone, but just a little bit bigger and, and has a slightly more plus size model. Right. Um, and it was almost like an asterisk point, and it has optical image yeah. stabilization, which is kind of <laughs> ni- which is kind of nice. But in a lot of circumstances, you're not even going to notice it. Whereas the dual yeah, camera thing, battery, is, and right, yeah. the dual camera thing is like it, you know you put your phone into portrait mode and you don't notice the difference. Then you know you've you've got some problems. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. it, it you know Pro means something different, uh, and I think that calling such a, a phone the iPhone Pro actually works both ways where it's in one way, it means deluxe. It means, yes, this costs more. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not for everybody. It's not the mass market the default model. Uh, it's not meant to be the best selling model by quantity. Um, but I also think it works in the context of this is a tool for professionals because mm-hmm. I think the thing, one of the things, again, I'm not making this in a marketing sense, but just in a nostalgic sense of looking back at this 10th anniversary of the iPhone of, of, the role of what and, and, and the, even the meaning of the word phone has changed so much in the last ten years because of the iPhone that it it would have been ridiculous, um, uh, ten years ago for someone to say their most important professional tool was their cell phone mm-hmm. in a computing sense. There certainly were people like a, a, maybe like a real estate agent or somebody whose job Sales is to, person. Yeah. So, it, to be on the telephone making phone calls all day long, who would say their phone is their most important professional tool, you know, but nobody, I, it, nobody thinks of their, their iPhone as changing the world in terms of how long you'd spend on the Phone calls. In fact, I think most of us would think that one of the great advantages of the post iPhone world is that we get fewer phone calls per day because things that used to be phone calls now come as text messages and iMessages, et cetera. Um, and we can deal with companies. And, and, and if you have a, a, a customer service product with a company that you can just go to their app and deal with, oh my God, I got I to send this thing back. Let me send it instead of waiting on hold, right? Again, like a lot of ways, the, the post iPhone world is about spending less time on the goddamn phone call. Than not so forget about phone calls, but I mean in a computing sense, I there, there's I know tons of people firsthand whose most important tool is their iPhone, or it's whatever phone me. they use, Absolutely. whatever phone they use. So why not why not make a pro model for people who can take advantage of I don't know. Uh, Better battery life or a better screen or – I don't know what features are in it. A but.
1: bigger screen and a smaller – thats just, that would be huge for just a lot of people who do find the big phone too big to right. do like their one-handed typing and all their work and the stuff that they want to do but still need a big display. I mean, right. that itself is – yeah. People I don't want to. That's the thing. Is like people will people people will pay for the MacBook even though the price to performance ratio is nowhere near what a MacBook Pro is. Even though they're roughly the same price, right. will people pay for a phone that has you know this is more portable? It's more mobile. It's miniaturized. It's got this better screen. It's easier right. to use in one hand. It's got these better features.
0: Right. And that's a perfect example. You know, the MacBook Pro 13 inch MacBook Pro, by far the most popular pro model for MacBooks. Uh, Why would you buy that instead of buying a a MacBook Air or a MacBook? Uh, You know, it's for some people, it's professional context, like the fact that you have, it's bigger, it has better battery life, or it's faster, and you do things, you know, you do so much on it, if you know, whatever. Uh, I can think of other truly professional contexts. Uh, more and more people, I see it. And again, I'm not saying most professional photographers shoot their stuff on their cell phone. But they can. And, and photographs get used in a professional context. So, so if, if, just for example, like the iPhone, the new regular 4.7 and 5.5-inch phones get new cameras uh maybe the 4.7 inch gets the dual camera design too it's tended to trail the plus model by 1 year in terms of the video image stabilization came to the success didn't it i think I don't know, but it, yeah, the, the seven. If, I mean, the
1: biggest concern is a space inside that. Right, one. the
0: seven though got does have optical image stabilization, uh, which was previously yeah. only in the plus models, and so it might make you know just in terms of following previous examples, I wouldn't be surprised if the new 4.7 inch regular quote unquote regular iPhone has dual cameras that are pretty much like last year's seven plus. Um, so let's just say those phones get camera improvements along the lines of what we'd expect. We have expected for years mm-hmm. in the year-to-year camera improvements in regular and new iPhones, but maybe the iPhone Pro gets an even better camera that actually costs significant. You know, costs Apple, you know, thirty or forty dollars more per component.
1: It has those sensors that you were talking about a
0: couple of years ago. Exactly right. The uh, what were those? They were like uh, the prime the, sense. Yeah. yeah, exactly the prime sense uh, sensors. Uh, that cost more. Maybe there's not even yeah. an issue of how the quantity that they can be made of, but the simple fact that they, you know, they're, they're $50 components that, in a it, uh, say in a phone where it's typical, you know, Apple's used to having a $15 component in there. Um, it makes a difference. And for a true professional in a professional context, that might make a difference. It might be, would you pay for it? No questions, you know, no questions, mm-hmm. no blinking, Uh, And considering what people pay for cameras, you know, regular good cameras, you know, an extra $200 premium over the other iPhones is, is actually a bargain. If you're used to spending, you know, five hundred to a thousand I mean, or more on a camera. Like a pocket size. The
1: hilarious camera. thing about all of this is that what what humans will pay for. It. We've seen this in gaming where people won't pay ten dollars for a great game, but they'll pay a hundred dollars to have a better looking farm or to get on the racetrack faster. <laughs> like if it's ego gratification or instant <laughs> gratification, we'll pay for it. And I, I can't help but think that if Apple made exactly the same phone, like if they like they did with Apple Watch, if they made iPhone 7S and then the iPhone X was just that with ceramics, no difference. As a fashion thing, we'd have zero no problem paying the price difference. Right. It's when the feature parity changes. And Georgia Dow, my colleague, shared this great video that she showed me where you have these two monkeys in a cage and both monkeys are being given um, cucumber and they're both completely fine. But when one monkey is given something better, and I forget if it was chocolate or something, not only does the other monkey feel jealous, but he gets angry and starts throwing his cucumber at the feeder. He's you know, irate and it's, he would rather have nothing than have something that is worse than somebody else has
0: uh it could you know i in some ways uh, I get it you know and we're all just, totally we're all just bald monkeys really uh, <laughs> uh, I get it, but i think back and 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 to the you know i think back to um uh, the i book g3 i forget if i think it was a g three that I bought in around 2002 or so I think 2001 2002 I bought an 11 inch uh, white ibook it had it was back when they had the clear keys which were kind of gross yeah. uh, and my main computer at home was this you know when I first uh, it was like when uh, I, I was, I I'd, I was when I, after I left uh bare bone software and I was going to work for myself for a while doing freelance web development and, and other work. And my main work machine was a power Mac, uh, 9, from a while back, which I had bought for, I don't know how many thousands of dollars and which was still a super, super fast machine. And I'd upgraded some stuff and ran Mac OS nine. I felt super fast, but I wanted a machine. I needed to own a machine that I could run Mac OS 10 on, um, just so I could, I wanted, I needed two machines for it. I didn't want it. My 9600 couldn't run OS 10 and I didn't want to replace it with a high end thing that could dual boot. I actually wanted both running at the same time, long story short. And at the time I just could not justify the price of buying the power Mac G four 12 inch. Remember that? You I know you remember it. It was the one where the keyboard went edge to edge yeah, And to me, still to this day, is one of the most beautiful machines Apple's ever made. Yeah. I, I've said this before on the show, right? I remember like just several years ago, just like 10 years after it came out, like 2012, I was in a coffee shop and I saw somebody with one. But I my, it took my breath away because I thought maybe I was, even here in Philadelphia, I thought oh, my, it's some Apple employee here using a prototype MacBook.
1: No, it's absolute classic.
0: And it it wasn't until I recognized what it was, it was when I recognized how thick it was, that I was like, oh, it was the thickness of the device that, and then I, but just looking at the screen and the the edge-to-edge keyboard, the edge-to-edge keyboard is sort of like those infinity pools, you know, beautiful machine. Almost the exact same footprint as the iBook that I bought. Faster, but just so much less, you know, uh, but I couldn't justify it at the time. I just did, you know, I, it, for what I wanted to use it for and for how much money I had, I just couldn't justify it. But it didn't make me angry at the people who had, you know, my iBook G3, which I didn't like as much as I would have loved the G4. It didn't make me angry at people who had the G4. So I, I do think the
1: closest uh, I came was the plastic MacBook when it was 100 bucks more for black, and I just didn't justify it. I couldn't justify <laughs> buying it, but every time I saw someone with a black one, I got a little angry. <laughs>
0: especially cuz i don't think apple had at the time it wasn't just whether you liked black or white better i the yep. black wore better like apple's whites at the time yeah. would tend to get a little grungy over time yes i, I didn't know <laughs> when i bought it Yeah, I didn't buy either of those machines. I think my wife had the white one, though, of that vintage. And I think she got, but she preferred white. She wanted the white one. But I remember that was, you know, people were mad about that one because people wanted the black and Apple was charged. And the only advantage was that it was black. It was just literally $100 for the color. So it is, like you said, it is funny what people will pay for and what people will get angry about. Absolutely. So who knows? I mean, and, and you know, this is what podcasting is for, is talking about things that are, you know... Ephemeral, because this whole this whole whole discussion could be mute by what Apple actually re- re- announces come September. But uh, I don't yeah, well, know.
1: Then it'll be what it is. Like there'll be nothing to talk about. Like we right. can talk about whether we like it or not. But now, before they announce anything, it's it's sort of it, it's what I think you do so well, which is sort of just trying to understand Apple and right. then. I think a lot of people talk attribute to sources what is really Apple's a logical company. And right. if you start to understand Apple, you can start to sort of see not exactly the path forward, but where they might go uh, going forward. Yeah.
0: All right. Let me take uh, one last break here and thank our third and final sponsor, good friends of the show, Audible. Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks and original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. You can get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash talk show. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Listen to audiobooks from virtually every genre anytime, anywhere, you can play Apple Audible's audiobooks on phones, tablets, computers, most Kindles, even iPods. Anything that you think you might be able to play Audible stuff on or that you ought to be able to, you can do it. It's great for long flights. It's great for road trips. great for people like you, listener of the talk show, who are currently, right now, if you hear me saying this sentence, are obviously a consumer of Audible content. Uh, guess what? If you've got time to fill in your audio listening uh, 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 schedule... Audible is where you can go to fill it up. Uh, absolutely great. Audiobooks are probably more popular than they ever have been before. It seems to me, like uh, as I look at them, whenever I look to see what's going on, um, bestsellers or recent books that I've heard of are coming out on audiobooks more recently um, or more quickly. You know, it's treated as like a first pass, first class target for for best selling books. A lot of them these days are read by the authors themselves, which is just great. Uh, it just somehow, uh, you know, I, it depends on the author. I'm, I'm sure, but when when it works, it works unbelievably well because you really get the cadence and punctuation of the sentences right from the person who wrote them. Uh, when you begin your free 30 day trial, you get your first audiobook for free, and then there's no stress or obligation, and you can cancel your membership at any time. So anyway, if you want more to listen to, that's great, and you want to do it with no risk. Go to audible.com slash talk show know the and they will know where you sent them my thanks to them for their continued support of this show all right let me toss this out at you here's a company that I think made a terrible mistake Andy Rubin's essential yeah uh, so essential is Andy Rubin's new company they've decloaked right before uh, the what's that conference recodes conference. And it revealed a phone with a very nice looking phone, over for the most part, with an edge to edge design, top and bottom. Uh, A very weird, not
1: dissimilar to the iPhone rumors.
0: Not dissimilar at all. Although they've got like a weird little black Dracula thing (laughs) over the front facing camera in the center of the phone, Uh, which I understand why they couldn't, you know, technically put a. They needed a front-facing camera, and the front-facing camera couldn't go underneath the display. Um, but I think that they, design-wise, they should have done something else to accommodate that. There, are, Some of the rumors of of the uh, Apple you know, edge-to-edge thing have a sort of, you know, not quite as pointy as the essential one. Like an but
1: island in the sea of an, the phone. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and it's some kind of isthmus coming down there. But yeah. I think people's speculation in the mock-ups is that Apple would fill in the area, the the to make a bar. They could fill it in with black, and yeah. on OLED, black is truly black, and so you wouldn't. It, it really would be seamless visually, and you could just have things like um, the signal strength indicators and the battery strength yeah. indicator up there as white on black, and have it look like it's just magically part of the forehead of the phone. And you wouldn't really yeah. think of that as being the display. But that aside, it's a pretty nice looking phone, and it's obviously meant to be sort of like uh, it's like Rubin's take on what the Pixel should be, I guess. Like, here's what a high end, low volume Android phone can be, and
1: it's like shatterproof or something. Yeah, his
0: claim is. Yeah, I think the the mistake that 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 they made, because I think it sells. They're they're obviously they were promising a June delivery date and we're recording in mid July and it's not out yet. Mm -hmm. So they've obviously run into some problems, but my, I think the mistake they made is that the thing sells for like 900 and some dollars. I think that they should have made, I swear to God, I think they should have made like a $2,000 phone or may, or at least like a $1,500 phone and put more in it, you know, do more, do more with the materials, do more with the thing and make a phone that, that, for Android enthusiasts or people who are uh, what would you call it bilingual, and who who can adeptly ad, ad, enthusiasts who can jump or do jump between iOS and Android devices, something that they can hold up and say, "Wow, this is unabashedly higher quality than than the iPhone," you know, make yeah, f- sort of a status symbol. Right. I feel like part of the problem with like the Pixel is that the Pixel, at least the up and, you know, I'm not judging the upcoming new one based on rumors, but the one that I have in my hand is that their target was just the iPhone 6S. It was, yes. let's make a phone, let's do our best. And they came close, it, arguably, you know, close enough even, but that that's not good enough if you're trying to overcome a uh a, a, A deficit in terms of how you're perceived as and which is really the better premium product. I think, Mm -hmm. and and I think they could take advantage, or in that they've missed it. They've, you know, missed their opportunity to to take advantage of the fact that Apple is hamstrung by what they can do by the prices, price points of the iPhone.
1: And I, I wasn't sure when he announced it if this was a bid to be – you know how, how – uh, I forget the guy's name, is it Nguyen or something? He keeps selling his company to Apple over and over again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was, just I was just like he sold color and he sold Lala and all these things. I was wondering if this was Andy Rubin's sort of take on that where he sold Android and now he's going to sell Essential because, you know, again, they, they really want an iPhone. And if he can make right. something that Google finds compelling. But he, he just didn't seem to have carrier relationships like no. as, as – poor as some of the carrier relationships like blackberry used to have great ones and now they're struggling but it just didn't seem like he had great carrier relationships or he had anything that would make this a viable product so it, right. it i don't know if that's true now or whether it was just a trial balloon to get google to take them back
0: right and just buy them and have it have the yeah. essential takeover as the pixel you know
1: or the high end pixel whatever it would be right uh, you know, Pixel again, Pro <laughs> would it have made
0: a huge difference? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But I, it just seems to me like they missed an opportunity by shooting for just nine, $900 because then you're only shooting for the same level that, that the iPhone's already at. Yeah. Why not try to make a $1,500 phone for people who truly live on their phone and truly treat it? It, it, it really is their most important device in their day you know if if you're and again i, I know people who 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 vouch for this or at least on many days that their iphone or their whatever their phone is is their more important most used device all day every mm-hmm. day well if those people have been buying $2000 or $2500 laptops for years as professional devices why not let them make why not let them buy a $2000 phone
1: yeah, and marketing is entirely about perception there's very little that's attached to reality like we pay a hundred more for more gig uh, for more gigabytes because that's it, it just seems like an acceptable thing and it's we've become accumulate sorry accustomed to it being an acceptable thing yeah. but there, there really is no reality behind that and this is the same thing I bought the uh, Apple watch Edition the ceramic one and it's the same as the aluminum one that are like you know it is a great Apple watch just because I thought oh ceramic it's neat you know the, we'll do all of those sorts of things you just have to give us a compelling product and a compelling story for it and this had neither of those things it was a sort of interesting product that Samsung has kind of done already but there was no hook to make people want
0: it I don't think yeah, and the ceramic, uh, the second gen uh, Apple Watch Edition, the ceramic one, is such a more compelling device than the first generation gold one. Yeah. And, and I got caught up in it and and kind of did a good job guessing about just how high these prices those prices were going to be. Because yeah. at the time, and they, you know people were thinking it was going to be like $1,500 or maybe $2,000, like a ridiculous $2,000 for a gold Apple Watch. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are out of your freaking minds. This thing is going to be like... At least ten thousand, maybe twenty thousand dollars, and everybody yeah. was like, are "You, you know, no one's going to buy that." And it ends up we were both right. <laughs> it was <laughs> fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, and nobody bought it. Uh, yeah. Whereas the new edition is so much more compelling because it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, again, it's more than most people are going to spend on an Apple Watch, and I, I, can't say I'm not sure I've ever seen one in the wild. I know I've seen yours, uh, yeah, uh, but it's I do, I've I, seen
1: one. I think, that but I do, Leo's Leo Laporte doesn't count.
0: <laughs> uh, although I, I, I remember being in Vegas and I did see, I did see, I've seen gold Apple watches. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it truly is conspicuous consumption. Um,
1: I've seen them in Palo Alto, which is not a surprise.
0: <laughs> uh, I just saw a video. I know, uh, I was watching uh, a video and, um, uh, What's her name? I I don't even know her YouTube name. I Justine Justine Zarek. Yeah, just, Uh Yeah, she has one, and it looks. It was like, wow, that looks great. She had like a, a the, the white ceramic Apple Watch with a blue band on, and it's a really good look. Yeah, um, much more compelling. Anyway, it would be it's interesting, and I thought this last year. I remember when it came out. I was like, it'd be interesting if that's something they're going to do for an iPhone. And and uh, the response was, people who know about making ceramics are like, well, you can't make 200 million ceramic cases in a year. It's impossible. So it'd be interesting if it's. You know, maybe something. Well, we're not. We don't plan to make two hundred million of these. Yes,
1: it's titanium or ceramic or some combination like the Essential is of right.
0: different materials. Right. Uh, let me think. What else? What else? Do we have time. I want to. We got to wrap up soon. But, uh, naming. I have this. I have this yeah. note that I get. I get, a, I get a, at least once a day when this stuff comes up. Somebody suggests that they're going to. They're going to say, "Well, the new regular phones will be iPhone 7s and 7s Plus, or maybe they'll be iPhone 8 and 8s or 8 Plus, Plus. Uh, and that the new super phone is instead of being called iPhone, they're going to call it the Apple Phone." Yeah, I saw that too. I get this. I get this. like I get a couple of these a week, and I understand the logic of it. Where it seems like it's for a long time in the Jobs era, uh, new Apple products would come out named i something, iPod, iPhone, iPad, uh, and it it can't help but suspect that that was something that Jobs was particularly fond of. And in the post Jobs era, they tend to name new products with. The, just Apple, and then a very plain description of what it is: uh, the Apple Pencil, the Apple Watch. Uh, so I get that. And if they, so if the first i first phone Apple was ever going to ship was coming out this year, I I would heavily bet that it would just be called the Apple Phone. It, <laughs>
1: but <laughs> it's. I'm so surprised there was an Apple Hub. And it was HomePod. Right. You know, I mean, they yeah. they throw curveballs.
0: Yeah, they still you know still do use non Apple names, but. Uh, or Apple Speaker. I wonder if that was like the second and second yeah. running name. Anyway, there is absolutely no way that they can change the name of any iPhone from iPhone to anything else. No matter what you think about what they're doing, and you have to understand that uh, even products like the iPod Touch, like I, I, people still call it, even though they don't even sell many of them anymore. People still call it the iTouch because they thought it would be named iTouch. And I still hear people uh, calling the Apple Watch the iWatch. So even a product yeah. that never was called the iWatch gets called the iWatch. The strength of a brand is outside the control of the brand owner once it's established, and the strength of the i, the I... of
1: normal people. Talking, calling the Apple Store the
0: iPhone Store when they walk by it. Yeah, oh, I remember. I remember when it was called the iPod Store. Yeah, Uh, that's when I knew that that the 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 what do you call it? Would they call it the uh, what was the theory of how that they might end up selling more Macs because of the iPods. Popularity.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. The Halo. The Halo, Halo effect.
0: effect. That's how I thought that the Halo effect might definitely be real because it seemed to me like there was there was more brand awareness of iPod than Apple. The yeah. strength of the iPhone brand is far outside Apple's control. It, it's it there's nothing Apple can do to 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 put that ba- you know, to bottle that up. Brands have a life of yeah. their own. And they couldn't change the name to Apple phone even if they wanted to, but I think they shouldn't want to. Uh, it makes mo- no more sense to change the name of the iPhone to Apple phone at this point than it would be to change like the MacBook to apple book Apple book,
1: yeah I mean they could do it, but it would be a huge risk for very nebulous rewards
0: yeah it's it's, it's so I, I get it it's not it's not silly, but if you really think about it it's it 's not worth really right. going into uh, that 's about it i have this whole rant about iOS notification center and three d touch but we don't, have, <laughs> we don't have time for it yeah that's why uh, they, the same rants. That's why we that's why we that's why there's next week's show. <laughs> no, anything yeah, else you really, to anything through. else you really wanted to talk about this week? Anything about this stuff?
1: No, this was the big thing, and again, you know, you know, my whole point is because we're getting a lot of really weird feedback on this. Is like we're we're putting these. I always think that part of my job is, and I think you do this too, is to um, try to understand what Apple is doing and and express that. And that way, if people want to hate on something, they can hate on it in an informed way. Because I really hate right. when. See, I'm going to say hate on something now. Like for me, the classic example is the iPhone uh, smart battery case, where it came out and Apple absolutely did not do any messaging. If ever a product needed Phil Schiller on stage explaining <laughs> it, that one did. But it was in our arguably a better, more efficient, smarter take at the case. And all reviewers did is look at, like, the cost per milliamp hour right, or, right. These, or or the hump on it. And they didn't right. try to understand that it got out of the antenna's way, that it didn't block signal, right. that it actually amplified, that it did all these really smart things. Um, and, you know, if you did like it, then you were just an apple shill. And I think, you know, I, I all of this stuff, all this the, us thinking out loud like this, is sort of come to terms with Apple's doing. And then if they, when they actually announce something, I don't know about you, but I'll decide then whether I like it or not. But I'll do it for reasons, not just because it's easy to get a headline for hating on Apple.
0: Uh, and the other thing about the Apple battery pack case is, is that I don't think anywhere got near anywhere near is enough critical thought is how it doesn't change your charging. needs at all so like let's say you're already traveling what do you need you absolutely need a wall thing you need a thing to put in a wall and you need a lightning cable that has usb on one side to plug into the charger and lightning to plug in the phone so now you want to get a battery pack or a battery pack case now what do you need well, if it's any other battery pack, you need now you need a, a US micro USB cable because that's what yep. charges all the other battery packs and battery pack cases. And now you need two cables. Um, and depending on how the case works, if it does charge through, you might still need both because you might overnight need to charge the phone separately from the battery pack. And now you need two chargers with two different cables. And that's in my as somebody who often packs a battery case while going on vacation or especially to like a technical conference like Macworld or something where, or, uh, well, I guess there is no more Macworld, but like WWDC where I know I'm going to be on the phone all the time and it's going to be bad in terms of cell phone reception and Wi-Fi and stuff. Uh, it's, uh, it's a huge pain in the ass. It's a huge yeah. pain in the ass. God, I, I, how much I wish somebody would make, somebody would pay whatever it takes to license it to make a regular battery pack that just charges by lightning. So I don't need to pack anything other than lightning cables. anyway, totally agree that was my, my not that I'm bitter <laughs> I <mean. laughs> uh, all right I can't think of anything else Renee Richie uh, I appreciate your feedback and uh, thank you so much. And uh, I got a thing in here. I got a thing in here to the, uh, the article you wrote. I, I swear to God, it's going to be in the show notes on the iPhones of future <laughs> past, I really, you beat me to it. And I really love it. Is this, that how are they going to sell this thing? I, I think you're onto something where the best way to sell it is to, here's this year's new iPhones. They're just as great as you'd expect this year's new iPhones to be. And we have this new thing that we're doing, which is we're giving you a sneak peek at the future of iPhones. And you can, you know, yeah you can buy it today for whatever. I, I totally yeah. think that that's the, that's the best idea I have of how they how they make this go down.
1: It's going go to be down. an incredibly interesting marketing
0: challenge to watch either way. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Who knows? And again, who knows? The other thing that could render this whole thing moot <laughs> would be like an avalanche of, of super spot-on accurate leaks in August.
1: <laughs> I mean, Jaws knows, but he's not telling us.
0: Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, I think Jaws... Well, you know, we said this. We, I said that it, you know, the role that product marketing plays in this, and uh, I mean, there's, uh, you know, obviously Phil Schiller is obviously involved, and Johnny's involved, yeah. and, and whoever else. But uh, God, the weight of the world's got to be on JAWS' shoulders because Jaws yeah. is really, you know, his uh, his title didn't change, but he, or did a little. Is he? Yeah. Uh, so he used to
1: be pro- uh, head of product marketing for iOS devices. Now he's head of product marketing for everything, for right. all devices, like Macs,
0: uh, iPhones, everything. Uh, It's, you know, (laughs) I'm sure it's been a busy year for for Steve. He's a good person for it, though. A good person for the job. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I'm excited about it. We've got, what do we have? Probably about seven weeks. And I guess that's the last thing we want to talk about. One more thing is, do you think the event is still going to be early September, combined with these rumors of at least one of the, you know, the one phone being delayed and possibly all of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that for, for a variety of reasons, it just it's better for Apple if they get that event out of the way. Sometimes they've done it a little bit later in September, but in general, they've had a September event for as long as I can remember. And even if they do say, you know, this product is coming at this date, like la- was it two years ago where the iPad Pro came out a month later and the Apple right. TV came out two months later or vice versa, they they still did the announcement in, in September.
0: Yeah, I keep track of this stuff. Uh, last few years, iPhone 5 was Wednesday September 12, iPhone 5S was Tuesday, September 10. This iPhone 6 was Tuesday the 9th, so it went from the 12th to the 10th to the 9th, Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. iPhone 6S was a Wednesday on the 9th, and iPhone 7 and 7 Plus last year were on Wednesday the 7th. So if anything, it's actually moved down from September 12th to 10th to 9th to 9th to 7th and i think the tuesday wednesday thing has always been about a labor day thing and that they, yeah. if if the monday of the week where they want to have it is labor day they don't make everybody travel uh on labor day combined with not making anybody who has to do set up for the thing you know give them an extra day yeah. you know for labor day so and i think one of them
1: the 6s was a 3 week delay for shipping instead of a 2 week delay which they usually you know. do so they can make they can play around with all that as well so
0: labor day uh actually don't don't know when labor day is this year hold on a second is it the 4th yeah it's the 4th so if they do it the yeah. week of labor day they would have the event on the 6th which would be the earliest they've ever had it otherwise it would i'm guessing it would be the t- September 12th
1: yeah which is also a normal day for them
0: yeah uh and the 12th is a date that they have used before uh, yep. with the iPhone 5 Um uh, that's what I expect. That would be the normal schedule. It's either going to be September 6th or September 12th. Um, if they move it back, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. S was
1: October. Uh, so, I mean, that was the latest yeah. they've ever done it. Was, yeah. And that yeah. was for a variety of reasons that
0: are and, not normal. Yeah. <laughs> know, we, we, there aren't yeah. This is not even going yeah. to go there. But anyway uh, – uh, I, I, I think that it's probably going to be either be the sixth if they're on schedule or the 12th if they're a little late and then they'll just have a three week delay after the 12th or something like that. But yeah. we shall see. So what but do we, we shall have? See. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Renee.
1: Oh, no, my pleasure. Thank you.